Are you ready to rewind? Take a nostalgia-filled ride back to a simpler time. It's Acid Wash Memories, a retro pop culture celebration. And now your hosts, Joe Morata and Michael Quinn. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode number 55 of Acid Wash Memories, a retro pop culture celebration. Today... Everywhere you look, we're talking about Full House. My name is Joe Morata, joined, of course, by Michael Quinn. How you doing there, Michael? Howdy doody. Full House. Yeah, full. Remember Very that show? Very full. Yeah, it was a, you ever it was watch it? definitely a show. <laughs> yeah, a lot of people watch it. That's the reason we're talking about it, and we thank you guys so much for being with us here. If this happens to be your first time, and you're wondering what we do, well, each week we talk about something completely different than the week mm-hmm. before in terms of retro pop culture. Last week we talked about uh, Nancy Kerrigan and Tanya Harding, for example. Yes. And we have 54 other episodes available where, Quinn? In the archives. In the archives. So everywhere you look in our archives, you might be able to find something that you like. That's true. I also want to give a special mention. This topic was suggested by a longtime fan of this show and another show that we do, uh, Gabriel Rolone. But I got to be honest, we were going to cover Full House anyway. I don't know if saying this was a suggestion. But it was. was It was. Only because you've been talking about this since like the beginning of this show. Well, I do want to be upfront here. I want to be forthcoming. This is probably, I wouldn't call it my favorite show of all time, Full House, but it's the show that I've seen the most because of its syndication run. That's true. I watch it every day for years and years and years. <laughs> Full House, weekdays at four on WXII. Could you even like classify it as a great show? It's because of when we grew up and stuff, I feel it, like. Is McDonald's a great hamburger? No. But do people love it for their own reasons? True. I do love it. This is great. I think Full House in a lot of way is convenient to love it is easy to love right it is comfort food it's empty calories but it also has its moments of heart yes and humor it's not like it's an unfunny show they, it is it's funny not like sometimes. they didn't try the uh, on a very special oh, episode God, there's some of those we're yeah. gonna be getting into that's not a big problem a big problem is like if um well if if like your butt fell off uh, but before we get into any of that, I also want to tell you, whether you're a first-timer or a long-timer, why don't you follow us on Twitter at AWM Podcast and join our friendly Facebook group where we talk about all sorts of retro pop culture topics. Quinn, we like to call it Home Crap Home Yeah, Home there. Crap Home. Home Crap Home. Just join our group. We'll let you in. Everyone's nice. It'll be just like the Tanner family. Everyone yeah. is nice. I'm a lean, mean, hugging machine. From 1987 to 1995... The Tanner family entered our homes on Friday nights or later Tuesday nights. Following the season premiere of Full House, Tuesday. And we would watch, most of us would watch as kids as they experienced generally minor problems, Quinn. Very minor. (laughs) Typically resolved in 23 minutes plus commercials. Yeah. Very simple. All we have to do is move everything else along this wall over to the right, and he'll never notice we moved the dresser. Despite the fact that the show is kind of corny, typical sitcom-y, the love and the nostalgia for the show runs a lot deeper for the kids that grew up in our generation. It yeah. just does, well, right? I think they were very smart about having three kids of different ages. I think that helps. So helped. no matter like how old you were... You kind of made it through every step of a, a childhood, wherever you might have been at that point. Or are you related to the the cool rock and roll uncle, or the very funny comedian, or the, the wise, <laughs> the, very funny <laughs> the wise cracking dad as well, and deadpan yeah. humor. But anyway, Full House settled in our hearts. It remains in our memories, and even to this day, I would say it is truly everywhere you look, or you might say ubiquitous. Come on now, cut it out. But Quinn, first of all, very important question. 
What is a house? Oh, well, a house is usually a dwelling where people live in it. Not like they don't work in it. They could work in it. You work, work from a house? But it's mostly like, you know, where you sleep and like that kind of thing. Maybe where you relax. Where you play. Yeah. You play games. If you're or a something. kid where you're safe. Right. Okay. Yep. Yeah, I like that. You, you sleep there. You shower there probably, right? Right. And sometimes if you have a lot of people living in the house, I guess it can get rather... Full? Well, yeah. Is that what it and means? And in, in Full House's case, the, the architecture doesn't make any sense <laughs> to house all these people either. Sure, we'll talk about that too. Yeah. See, I grew up with this show. I'm sure you did too, Quinn. You watched it as part of TGIF um, yes. initially. Initially, yes. And, and then it moved over oh, to I Tuesdays. Oh, yeah, like, I followed it. Once it once it left, I was like, wait a second. Full House is like one of the main draws. I can't like leave them. It was. It was in that kickoff 8 o'clock time slot on TGIF. Hi, and welcome to our show, TGIF. That means, thank goodness, it's funny. We'll be here to give you the scoop on all the fun that's coming up. If anything, do you think like Full House didn't need TGIF? It was like yes. Full House was felt like well above TGIF fare. It outgrew it, so that's why they moved it, and uh, it was doing well enough that they were able to use it as a lead-in on Tuesdays to Roseanne and other shows. Right, like that. It, it did a lot. I feel like it did a lot better work being on Tuesday because it's like, first of all, it's like it's hanging on its own. Right, like it's like it's it's like no, this is like important or whatever. And Urkel and Family Matters, they were primed for that eight o'clock kickoff spot. They moved into that right. slot on TGIF. So okay, we talked about the basics, eighty-seven to ninety-five. This is the period of time, Quinn, where ABC specifically mm-hmm. was cranking out a ton of sitcoms, and this is that like new generation of family sitcoms that were really spurned by the Cosby Show. Yes, where it's now we're going back to families because in the late seventies. You had political-leaning ones like uh, All in the Family and Maud and right. things like that. I mean, they were still family-based, but they would t- do a spin on it, right? Right. Or like Happy, Happy Days. Days. Like, let's go back to the 50s. Right. Like, or Mork and Mindy. Let's have an alien. Right. right? Like- <laughs> exactly. Or workplace ones like Cheers and WKRP in Cincinnati. Right. right? Yes. And Mary Tyler Moore. This is back to the, the nuclear family-type aspect of the family shows. And one of the companies producing them was Miller... Boyette. Yes, uh, Miller Boyette beauty, as we like to say about certain shows produced by this company. Yep, and we're going to give a very brief rundown of them here. Uh, So the company had its genesis in 1972 with Thomas Miller and Edward Milakis. Not Boyette. No Boyette. Boyette hadn't entered the scene yet. He had not. And it was in 1974 that Miller Milakis produced their first show, a big hit. You might have heard of it. Happy Days. Yes. Hey! Obviously, Happy Days spun off a bunch of shows, Laverne and Shirley. That was Miller Malakis, Mork and Mindy. Let's have an alien. Right. That, that was them as well. Oh, well, it's, it's just another side of love, Mork. Like a father's love for his daughter. He sacrificed... Well, I know that. I read Lolita. Oh. <laughs> they were joined, Miller and Malakis, by Bob Boyette in 1979. To Bob. Be, Bob. To become uh, Miller Malakis Boyette Productions. And they produced uh, this trio... Bosom Buddies, mm-hmm. which debuted in 1980, and another Happy Days spinoff, Joni Loves Chachi in 82. That's the bad one, though. True, it's Because Laverne and Shirley is probably the biggest success story out of it. Oh, the spinoffs? I, yes. Yeah, I'm told that, like, I was looking into this recently, I'm told that Mork and Mindy did really good. Because like, of Robin heard, Williams. Yeah, like, well, people, like, didn't give a shit about the premise. They were just there to see Robin Williams. Absolutely. Act stupid Why for, would like, you half an hour. Like, <laughs> Who didn't love yeah, that? <laughs> nobody cared about that. The premise was irrelevant. It was like, what's he going to do this week? Right. Uh, Edward Milikas left in the early 80s, I think it was 84, and we were down to the golden duo, Quinn, Miller Boyette. Ah, yes. The the one everyone in the 80s and 90s would know. It was just 
also ubiquitous. They'd always had the same font or whatever. They did, the, yeah. and the golden hue. Yeah. Their first show was The Hogan Family in 86, which is not, was not like a huge hit, but it's a known show. So, this, this is- Not the- Hulk Hogan. <laughs> it's funny, uh, because hey, hey, uh, Miller, uh, Miller Boyer D, uh, they wanted the Hulkster to be on The Hogan Family, right, brothers? Uh, because uh, it's like, it's my name. Uh, but see, I was too busy hanging and banging, wrestling around the world 400 days a year, playing my business. So I had to, uh, I had to say no. The concept of this show is actually it was supposed to be a vehicle for uh, what's her head, uh, Valerie Bertinelli. Yes, from Rhoda fame. Yes, but Rhoda, but she's mom mom rhoda mom rhoda (laughs) yeah Yeah. so she's like in her like late 30s or something right it's like and so here's rhoda raising a family and then she just like laughed after the first season and then they just like i don't know what they did they retooled it as you often have to do has the mom leaves what do you even do in that situation they replaced her with what's her face i cannot think of her name off the top of my head the one that did the the wheat thins commercials remember yeah shirley duncan isn't that who they replaced her with maybe uh well uh actually it's uh it's sandy duncan because well um shirley duncan isn't uh, I don't think was an actress. Another show that they debuted that same year in 86. This was a much bigger hit, more enduring show. In my opinion, even underrated. Quinn, your thoughts on Perfect Strangers. Perfect Strangers. So this, to me, it can be argued that this is Miller Boyette's biggest beauty over here. You really, possibly. More than Full House. It might be. Don't be ridiculous. <laughs> I feel like in, pe- in the conscious, the subconscious, if you will, okay, will. Of, of people who watch shows, yeah, if, if they're thinking of Miller Boyette shows, I think they alternate between like Perfect Strangers or Full House was like the best. Not Family Matters? Because F- Family Matters is kind of like a, a different spin on Full House in a sense, even though it's also so awful, step by step. All, even though it's technically coming from Perfect Strangers because of Harriet, mm-hmm. which nobody seems to remember, by the way. Yeah, and it falls those, in the like, Tommy Westfall universe. It's like a whole thing. Uh, but yeah, it, every now and then a 24-year-old on BuzzFeed will write an article about it, like mind-blowing facts about Family Matters. And it's like, did you know it's a spinoff? Like, yeah. Yeah. Everyone it, fucking it's used a, to it's know that. It's a vehicle that. for Harriet. Exactly. Like, that, and then Urkel took over. Yeah. Let's not get into that. But yeah, Perfect Strangers did really well, and- in contrast to what they would do later after this show, Perfect Strangers was not a family sitcom. It was more of a, um, you know, a comic duo sitcom. It, it was a, the it's odd a, couple. It's more of a Laverne and Shirley situation, yeah, just yeah. with men. It, the odd couple. It, yeah. It's really what it is. You know, Corson and Larry yeah. and his cousin Balky. Yeah. Right? That's what it was. Yes. And it's a very funny show, in my opinion. Balky's a ninja sometimes, and then and, <laughs> and they moved into that creepy house. Don't worry about to, like, that fix house. It. Don't, like, let's not talk yeah. about the house. We will do episodes on these shows later down the road, folks. But, uh, yeah, I... Nor Boyette, was it their crowning achievement? In terms of writing, I think it's the best written show. Yeah. I actually do. There's a lot of like development of Balky and Larry yeah, as and it like funny. goes on. And then even the girls get factored in, which Jennifer is Jennifer and Marianne. Yeah. It's a very funny show. Yeah. I think it's funnier than Full House. It's not as enduring, though. Obviously, Miller Boyette would go on to do the aforementioned Family Matters Step by Step. Going places, going places, which is the one like nobody remembers because it didn't last long enough, and it just has like Sucked. <laughs> the imitation opening of like every single. <laughs> going places is only funny because the opening is like just big just, full house. It's, it's literally, it's like, what if we imitated some scenes from like Full House and <laughs> yeah. Family Matters and stuff like that, but just with this weird cast with like Alan Rickman and like stuff. It's right. Alan I, Rock. Alan Rock. Sorry. Yes. Yeah, it's like like the worst part of the whole opening to me. 
is the one where they're like dancing in while the they're cooking in the kitchen. Like it's like the worst thing I've ever seen. Like it's like trying to be like some other scene. It, it doesn't deserve to be doing that opening yet. It's they're a, like you know, doing a conga while they're mixing <laughs> salads like, and salad. Shit. Like it's terrible. It's so bad. And then the, and then it just gets even worse because then the like pan out yeah. that's like literally the full house from the car pan out. Like it's like exactly yeah, the same as the it like blue. as it like ends. Horrible. It's so bad. Uh, Miller Boyette would also <laughs> do other shows that no one cared about. Uh, getting by on our own, which I actually did watch in '94 when it was new. Yeah, I don't even know what Getting By is. I forget who's in that one. Tom <laughs> so Hopkins. The, Tom Hopkins. The, why is the, the name of it just Going Places? Just a different saying, like Getting By. <laughs> getting by. No, Getting By was t- was Aunt Rachel. She left Family Matters to do that show, and it and failed. she wasn't Aunt Rachel in it. She's like cameos later, but anyway, uh, Mego, which was another uh, Bronson Pinchot vehicle, it did <laughs> not last. And the final uh, sitcom that they did was two of a kind. That last Olsen twin show that was on for like a year. Remember I that remember one? that. Fake that, Full House. You know what's funny about that show is I feel like of all of them after the post like success here, yeah. two of a kind seemed like it could have succeeded because it was in it was working within the department of like Sabrina the Teenage Witch and stuff like that where it could like oh this could kind of like work in the TGIF lineup yeah right? and as the girls grew up maybe it could become a teen sitcom well I think that's what they wanted because if they once they were old enough they could do the you know Boy Meets World style storylines and there stuff like that obviously that's what they wanted but it just didn't catch on it was on for I think one season but anyway back to the uh, mid 80s Miller and Boyette were familiar with a writer and producer known as Jeff Franklin. So Jeff Franklin had written a movie that maybe you guys have seen. If not, you've heard of it. Uh, She's One of the Guys. Sometimes I just wish I were a guy. But you know, the male body needs sex at all times. It's a living hell. But he had also written for two Miller Boyette shows. Laverne and Shirley. Okay. And Bosom Buddies. Okay. And Jeff Franklin wanted to develop his own sitcom. The premise would be, what would happen if you had three stand-up comedians living together in a house? Okay. And he wanted to call the show House of Comics. He pitched it to ABC, and they said, look, we want to go in the family-oriented direction, again, because of the Cosby show and what they had done. That was the hot ticket in the mid-'80s, was a family sitcom. Right. So, Jeff Franklin retooled the concept. Well, what if... We have one stand-up comic, okay. okay, but it's still three guys, and the concept is, what about them raising three girls? There's no mom. So the idea, to me, reminds me of, what's what's that three guys and a baby? My, well, and there's also, yes, three men and a baby, but there's also My Two Dads, which debuted yeah. in 87 for so NBC. It, it's, the, it's the awkward, there is no mom, but there's an abundance of men, yep. so th- what wacky hijinks will happen because... Men aren't the, the child rearers yeah, right, or whatever, right. it's, as far as like the 80s are concerned, right? And really, if we want to boil it down, it's a takeoff of Mr. Mom, too. Right. Like, there's got to be influence there. The idea is to put the men in like hilarious positions, right? Yes. It's like having to explain the birds and the bees and it, like all sorts of nonsense, right? Exactly, Quinn. And uh, the idea was that it was a widower. Uh, he asked his brother-in-law, mm-hmm. that's the uncle, obviously, and his best friend, the comedian, to move in. So that's the premise of the show. But we need people if we're going to act in a program, do we not? Yes. So the patriarch, the role of Danny Tanner, yes. who was 29 when the series started, the character, he was written and conceived by Jeff Franklin with one specific person in mind to play him, Bob Saget. Yes, okay? Bob Saget. So let's remember that. Even when I did the thing, I'm sure you all saw the full house. You all ate, you ate it like meatloaf. You love the damn full house, right? <laughs> 
Now, we did talk about Bob Saget's background in the America's Funniest Home Videos episode, so a very brief rundown. He had studied film at Temple University. He's from Philadelphia. He became a stand-up in the late 70s. Okay. Mm -hmm. He was never a big name on the stand-up scene, but he had like a semi-cult following. He had, and we've talked about this, he had blue humor, but not like the intentionally vulgar Bob Saget of the 2000s. Right. That was kind of a takeoff of the fact that people was like, oh, that's so funny that Bob Saget says curse words. Right. And then he just like went crazy with it. Yeah, because it was a shtick at that yep. point. But it, he, he was vulgar in the 70s and 80s, but not like the parody version that he did in the 2000s. That one's like way not. Yeah. Did he even cool that down after that gimmick simmer down? He did. But and then yeah. it just was regular Bob Saget yeah. and, and stuff. But I'm nuts over her. She's this tall. <laughs> it's my dad's joke. This... I'm sorry you laughed at that. I've lost respect for you. I really have. And he had done a handful of TV appearances, but he was mainly a stand-up comedian and studied acting. So for the role of the brother-in-law, the cool uncle, initially Uncle Adam, and then that was what? changed to Uncle Jesse, Jesse Cochran. What? Mind you. Cochran. Cochran. Not Katsopolis or no, whatever? Not Katsopolis. No, we'll talk <laughs> How do you about pronounce that. it? Katsopolis. Katsopolis. We'll talk about that. The character is 24 years old when the series debuts. Just want to put the ages out there. Uh, they cast John Stamos, who was from Cypress, California. Oh, okay. So John Stamos was like from the beginning. Yes. Now, John Stamos, like what was he even before this? Because I don't ever... I've never even seen him in anything before Full House. Like, well, you wouldn't have, Quinn. You wouldn't have, unless you were a big fan of early 80s General Hospital, because he oh, was on that show. He was on GH? Yes, as Blackie Parrish for two years, 82 to 84. How about that on TV, huh? Big TV like that? Color? Yeah. You want to watch some game shows? Nah, I hate him. Uh, and that was a popular character, Blackie Parrish. And he also had starred in a failed sitcom. Well, maybe not failed. It was on for a year. Uh, with Jack Klugman, speaking of the uh, Klugman. the odd, the odd couple, uh, it was called The You Again from February of 86 to January of 87. Listen, please, will you shut that music off? Why is the music so loud? So I can hear it. Why would you want to hear it? It's the Beach Boys there. I shut it off. Will you we please? stay all good, Beach And he starred in a commercially panned film known as Never Too Young to Die. What? You know who his co-stars were? Who? George Lazenby. What? Yes, the one-time James Bond. Yes. And <laughs> Gene Simmons. <laughs> Very smart, CNBC. What, what kind of casting is that? <laughs> what the fuck is that? That's what I want to know. <laughs> yeah. It was supposed to be like a young James Bond. Isn't George Lazenby the the bad James? But That's the one that like didn't make it into the official like James Bond yeah, movies or whatever. He was the one that was right after Sean Connery and before Roger Moore. He's considered like the fake one. The, the crappy. Yeah. yeah. Because it wasn't even like an official Bond movie or something. It was, but it was just like panned. No, there's one Bond movie that it's like unlicensed or some shit. That's like, the one with I, Sean Connery, but like later. Oh, you're right. You're the one from the, the 80s, yeah. like Wall, What's-His-Head still existed. Roger Moore. Rod, Rod, yeah, that's the one, the like unlicensed. 60-year-old James Bond, Roger yeah. Moore. Also about John Stamos, though, back on topic here. He was a musician. He played drums, played piano, played guitar. And starting in 1985, and this may come into play. He began sitting in with the Beach Boys. So we'll have to... (laughs) When people think Full House, the Beach Boys come to mind, right? Well, they come to mind because a lot of the shittiest episodes (laughs) have the Beach Boys in them. Well, it's Mike Love's fault because he's like the most annoying one. Because the plots of any Beach Boy episode are bad. Like, there are some of the worst... There's some of the most stupid plots of all of the show. There are too many episodes for my taste. I'm serious. I'm surprised... That Jesse and the Rippers, like I'm not even kidding, Joe. I'm I'm I was always surprised as a kid that they just didn't have the Beach Boys put 
on leather coats and like perform with him know, in those right? situations. I know. Like you would think with the frequency that they're on the show, <laughs> like, you know what I mean? That they would just be Jesse and the Rippers. You would, but they would they would be the Rippers. They're not the Rippers, thankfully. Yeah. So that's John Stamos, Uncle Jesse. So now we need the best friend, the stand-up comedian, by the name of Joey Gladstone, is the character's name, 29 when the show started. He was played by Dave Coulier, who was born in Detroit and was doing stand-up in L.A. in the late 70s. And he also performed uh, with the likes of, this is a big name of stand-ups, Jay Leno. Oh, wow. David Letterman, Jerry Seinfeld, and Robin Williams. You know, you remember certain students you went to school with. Uh, you know, first off, you have the really smart poindexter kids. You know, the kids who are just sitting there and you, you flick them in the head and they just go, stop it before I construct a tool to defend myself. And I got to tell you, he's not as funny as any of those guys. No, no, not at all. In fact, it's no wonder that after the show was over that like Dave Coulier, you never heard of him ever again. Like he was like never in anything. He'd be like a talking head on some of those VH1 shows. Yeah, it's like I remember the 90s because I was in that show. (laughs) Was he also on the surreal life for one of those fucking bullshit shows? Maybe some celebrity big brother. I don't know. Hosted something on Animal Planet, I believe. Yeah, just it's always like it's he's very like C tier. But he did, and I'll give him credit, talented voice actor. Yeah, he's good at that. And he did a lot of voice work for cartoons uh, after the fact. Now, the interesting thing about Dave Coulier, and this actually surprised me just because of the caliber we were just speaking, is he was hired for Saturday Night Live for the 1986 season. Really? But at the last minute, they bumped him because SNL bigwigs thought that his shtick was too similar to Dana Carvey. Huh. So can you imagine if they had gone the other way around? You know how I look at SNL? It's like the comedians that are the least known, they need it the most. So they should always pick the person that need. Like, because that's what SNL is. It's supposed to take like unknowns it and is. like not ready for prime time. Yeah. But they went with Dana Carvey. Probably a better choice. Yeah, but it, that's a better choice. But Dana Carvey could have probably made it on his own anyway because he's just talented. He had the talent. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so those are the three men, but we need the three girls. So we have Donna Joe, also known as DJ, of course, Donna Joe Tanner. She's 10 when the show starts. I find it odd that they gave her a name like Donna Joe, that they didn't just name her Denise Denise, or yeah, anything else, like something easily remember, like you but could DJ's, remember. That, her name's DJ. Yeah. She's not even the only DJ on TV for most of That's the late 80s. That's what always confused the <laughs> shit out of me, is that the other DJ on Roseanne, yeah. and he's a boy. And he's a boy. But uh, he's David Jacob, yeah. just for the record. Anyway, uh, she was played by, of course, Candace Cameron, now Candace Cameron Bure. Uh, she was born in 1976, the younger sister of, yes. at the time, a very popular sitcom actor, Kirk Cameron. Yes. On Growing but, Pains. What I find interesting about um, Candace Cameron, yes. to me, is that her entire persona is connected to Full House in every way. She's like, even when she got older, she all she was really in was Fuller House. Like, you know what I mean? <laughs> she stopped acting for a while. Because yeah. I remember she was like in some teenage, teenage teen movie things, like, but only the TV version. She was never in like, she's all that or any no. of those like big teen, teen she was movies. Not in theatrical movies. Yeah. Like it was just, I just always thought her trajectory was weird because she was just so ingrained in Full House. Still like, is. Her whole life is Full House. She's the natty Neidhart yeah. of. <laughs> like she, like, like if they if, actress like it, if it was up to her 
after this Fuller House thing was over, her daughter yeah. would like start a, like a Fuller Fullest full, full, house. house or something, and then she would be like on that. Oh my like, god! Like and it would just keep going. Don't give them ideas. Eventually, Quinn. she'd be the grand grandma that they go visit in like wherever they live in the San me- Francisco. No, remember the grandparents live in like that other country. Oh, Greece! In Don't Greece. bring that yeah. up. Yeah, um, that's where she retires. <laughs> so young, and Cand- there's a sad episode where she passes away. Stop. And, yeah. <laughs> young Candace Cameron. Um, before going on to play a Greek grandmother, she uh, she had a bunch of guest roles on sitcoms in the '80s, such as Who's the Boss and her brother's show, Growing Pains. And speaking of the Tommy Westfall universe, St. Elsewhere. Oh, okay, there you go. So she was on that. <laughs> Everyone's in the mind of this child. Yes. Okay, kids, come on. Time for bed. No. Come on, Megan. You got school in the morning. What about Daddy? Is he staying? No. I'm getting a divorce. No. Pretty good actress, honestly. Yeah. She really was. The middle child, young Stephanie Tanner, who was five when the show started, she was played by, in my mind, a fantastic child actress, Jody Sweeten, who was born in 1982. Yeah, pretty good. She's really good. She had done a handful of commercials and then a guest spot on the show Valerie. Now that became that became Hogan's Hogan. Family, yes, by correct. The way. Hello, 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 who is this? Bye bye. <laughs> that is what led her to being noticed and cast on Full House. She was good. I think the biggest thing to say about her is notable child actress because after she was not she, a child, she, she had wasn't a lot really, of problems though yeah, too. She, she, I mean, again, Fuller House. Yeah, well, that um, <laughs> this is the safe haven for everyone from the Tanner family. Seriously, and then the uh, the youngest child was a baby, uh, Michelle Tanner, who is less than a year old in canon when the series starts. And you know who played Michelle Tanner? Mary Kate. And Ashley Olsen, twins right. because of child labor restrictions. It's easier to, to use twins. You can half the day, one of them, on the other yeah, half. Literally, the other. Yeah. just alternate. If one's crying, the other one's not, whatever. Now, they that, were babies. Yes. Now, they have no I, experience. I would call these two the Macaulay Culkin of the show, like yeah. way bigger than the show. You know what I'm yes, saying? Yes, like they, way, like way bigger than anybody. They transcended the show. Yeah, I would say they, they became bigger than Bob Saget and like anybody else. And, yeah. and John Stamos. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. At definitely. their height in the at 90s, their height, yeah. yeah, into the 2000s. We don't need to get too into the Olsen twins. You guys know who they are. They are not, by the way, identical twins. They're just they are whatever the word is for fraternal. Fe- yeah, but there's like another word for female fraternal twins. I can't oh, that's remember. Like, it. That's different. Yeah, I, but I it's thought it's just thing. in general. They're term. fraternal twins that look very similar. Well, because uh, the uh, the informal word you're uh, you're looking for is uh, actually uh, sororal twins. I guess they got the gig because they were the only ones that didn't cry during the audition. Yeah, because when you're, <laughs> I'm saying that without trying to laugh, like auditioning babies, they're you know, children. Like, they're, they're, they're not, not even children. They're not yet. even children. They're, they're not. They babies. don't even know where they are. Right. Like, they don't remember this. Yeah. But you need baby to have baby Michelle. So that was the primary cast. Although they did cast. Andrea Barber in a recurring role as the next door neighbor and DJ's best friend, Kimmy Gibbler. Kimmy Gibbler, yes. So Andrea, real quick, she was born also in 1976. She played on the soaps Carrie Brady on Days of Our Lives from 82 to 86. Are you excited about, are you ready, ready for the dance class? Uh Uh-huh, and Marlena is excited. And did a bunch of guest spots, including the Tommy Westfall universe of St. Elsewhere. Everyone is on the Tommy (laughs) Westfall (laughs) universe of these people. So Kimmy Gibbler, right? Yeah, yeah. Her future would be 
Um, Fuller, Fuller House. Fuller, like again, like <laughs> I feel like every kid but Michelle. It's like they the, all the fame was thrust on Michelle, and the other girls were just like even Kimmy. They were just like in this whatever. The other three though, they just didn't care. They stopped acting. Right. I, I don't think they wanted to keep acting. Mm-hmm. So in the spring of 1987, a pilot was organized and greenlit by ABC. Go ahead, make the pilot, yep. Mr. Franklin. Okay, we'll see what we think. The sets were built. And I think this is a good time. Can we talk about the house? Yes. So the so <laughs> the exterior. This is one of Joe's like. Well, he's like fascinated have by problems. This. Yeah. The exterior is obviously a real house. It's on a Broderick Street in San Francisco. It is not one of the painted ladies. Those are the ones that you see when they're having the picnic in the credits. Right. In the background. It's not one of those. Uh, it's a different house. And the interior does not quite match. <laughs> It's much larger on the sets, obviously. Yes, As but you, that's not even your biggest issue. No, no, no. Your I biggest know. issue is the stairs or whatever. Yes. <laughs> so, first of all, about this house, I want to say something. As a kid, I always wanted to live in this house, man. I loved this house. Well, because it's got that really cool. So it's the way it's set up, right? Is like there's like this living room, and there's these stairs that go up and around. But what's cool is they have like an overhang. Yeah. So like it has this like weird like under thing almost like upstairs is a loft o- yeah. overhanging like part of the living room so cool where there's like a stained glass window like yep. in that little like that little nook under the steps yeah it's nook and it's it looks awesome right it does and then they have that big iconic kitchen yeah who doesn't remember the full house kitchen their kitchen is insanely I large love it i know I mean, it's so large they were able to drive a car through it <laughs> I, I mean, it, it, it's a good point. They park it right in the, the <laughs> dining room and have plenty of space. You yeah, can park four cars in there. There was like a lot of space after that car went through. Like no, she didn't even tons. she didn't make it. She didn't even make it close to the living room. Like Yo, that's she, how. <laughs> that's what's fascinating. That's a good point. And obviously upstairs, Danny had the master bedroom, uh, and then the girls, um, Stephanie and DJ, share a big room. Right. And then Michelle has her own room, and next to that is another bedroom, which Uncle Jesse moves into, right? right? And then later, we would discover that had an attic. That is also massive. Yeah, like an apartment. <laughs> yeah. And then how, we, they, how are they just not using any of that space? I don't know what they were doing. Yeah. And then what's weird is, you know, you go down the stairs, and you would think it's a basement, but what it really is, it's a below-grade garage, because, like, the driveway slopes down. Uh-huh. So, it is technically, like, the basement, but it's really the garage. Oh, I never knew that. Yeah. I always thought that was just their, the basement where the studio was. No, in the because in the first season, it's literally a garage. Right. You see it like that, and huh. then it becomes Joey's room. And then it becomes oh, that's the right studio. because they have those those San Francisco houses where the where garage it's is like, under the, the house. Yeah, yeah, I know what you're talking about. Yeah, so that's a little bit. But the staircase. Okay, as a layman, let me try to explain it, and you tell me what I'm getting wrong about it. Okay. Yes. How about this. So I always thought so. The it goes the stairs go the ones up from the living room go, go up. up right. They hook around, and, and then there's that. Yeah, they hook around, but that's on the front, so that makes sense, yeah. right? Like that's where the house is, like the edge of the house. Yes. So the stairs go through. You know, once you pass through there, the bedrooms and all that shit, yes, which is. I assume all those rooms are what above the kitchen and the living room and yes. stuff. And then the staircase that heads into the kitchen is well, the, this is it the big work, this Quinn. is the big one that bothers you so much. So they show the bottom of the staircase yeah. in the kitchen, and there has been even scenes where they showed. You know, if you look down the hallway, there's like stairs over there, right? Yes, so, but so like, what the hell is your issue? The same <laughs> camera shot is used no matter 
which stairs they take, they came up in the same part of the hallway, and it's not architecturally possible. I've looked into this for 15 years. There's people who have, like, auto-catted this shit. You can't like, do it because of where they're located. They won't connect. It's not possible. I've asked Jeff Franklin on Twitter back in the day. What? I don't think why? he answered me. What do you mean, why? Because I'm obsessive. And it's just not fucking possible. So I just like the people building, like, auto-cad on computer, like, real. really trying to, like, overanalyze this shit. Folks, if you know how to make the two connect in a realistic way, Please let me know. <laughs> but let's go back to the uh, the pilot <laughs> <all> staircase. <laughs> let's go to the pilot where it is the spring of 1987. Everything is in place. We've got our girls, right? We've got John Stamos as Uncle Jesse. We've got Dave Coulier as Joey, and of course as Danny. We have John Posey. Who's this man? <laughs> <laughs> well, well, John Posey, of course. Quinn, why never- was this made? <laughs> Ring okay. around a posy. <laughs> <laughs> Pocket full of it. Uh, please don't say things like that. Okay. So, although Jeff Franklin wrote yeah. and wanted Danny Tanner to be played by Bob Saget. He was forced to make Cryon for John Posey. <laughs> yes, he was. Um, That's the unfortunate truth. Well, here's the thing. We talked about this in America's Funniest Home Videos. Bob Saget took a gig with CBS's horrendously bad morning program, Mm -hmm. which was like a bizarre mix of real news, but also comedy skits. There's a a fever pitch up here in the audience. I I can tell. I think antibiotics will clear it up. (laughs) So he was unavailable when they were making the pilot. So who? This guy looks so generic, Joe. (laughs) Like, who even is this person? Did he ever make it onto anything else? Yes, he did. I'll tell you in a second. Uh, Who's John Posey? Well, he's Tyler Posey's dad. You ever hear of Tyler Posey? Who? Okay. Well, anyway, he was born in 1956, same year as Bob Saget. He was really more of a comedian and improv guy that became an actor. He hadn't done much at all. And that lack of experience would become very evident in the pilot. Uh, one thing that he did wind up doing was played a Dr. Tongue on Seinfeld. Oh, I remember this guy. The heart attack episode. Yeah. The tongue. Yes, the tongue. Or in medical terms, the glossa. It's a muscular organ. He's Danny Tanner now. So the pilot trudges ahead. And the plot of the pilot, which is also the plot of the first episode with Bob Saget, is that Danny's mom, Claire, has just left the house after taking care of them. It's about six weeks after Danny's wife and the girl's mom, Pam, was killed. Right. Okay, it's, but that's where we are. Uh, that same day, Joey and Uncle Jesse move in. Jesse, long time no see. Now, be honest. Did you ever think we'd end up being roommates? Not once. <laughs> I love this guy. And as you said earlier, hijinks ensues, right? Yes. How do you change a diaper? Yeah. This is going to suck. It just becomes three men and a baby. Are you going to cook Michelle? We're changing her diaper. Oh, then how do you roast a turkey? <laughs> DJ hates it all. Yeah. That's one of the things about the... the DJ's like not optimistic at all in the first season. Well, it doesn't she, like, really... She fucking hates it. Honestly, she's the only kid that's like old enough to see things as they are. It's just not fair. First I lose my mom, then grandma leaves. Now I even lose my own room. Everything keeps disappearing. Here's the thing with the pilot and the plot. It wasn't groundbreaking, but it was amusing. The girls were good, right? Yeah. The biggest problem was John Posey as Danny Tanner. He didn't well, he have wasn't it. cast it for it. Like the the role was literally written right to like with the idea of Bob Saget in these situations. Exactly. Right? You lost my daughter. 
I went to work for seven hours and you lost 33% of my children. Didn't you notice a very small person moving everything she owns out of the house? You know what he feels like to me? He feels like a guy playing a sitcom dad and not in a convincing way. He seems more just like, you know, when they do a play yeah. and there's the, 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 the understudy. understudy. Yeah, he, he seems like the understudy. So we're going to give you folks the audio of a scene comparison here from the unaired pilot with John Posey, w- okay. which was released on DVD later. And then Bob Saget's equivalent scene. And you'll just get a feel for what I mean. Even from the first episode with Bob Saget, you'll okay. see how it's better. Okay. Okay. Quiz time. How's everything going to work out? Super great. Ding, 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 ding. That's correct. DJ to tie. How's everything going to work out? Eh, time's up. What do I win? <laughs> Dad, do I have to share my room with her? Oh, honey, it's going to be just like having a slumber party. Yeah, except there's only one guest who never leaves. And you know what? That means that you two are going to get to be yeah. roommates. Isn't that exciting? I can wear all DJ's clothes. <laughs> Do I have to share my room with her? Honey, it's going to be just like having a slumber party. So much yeah, better. Only yeah, only one guest well, who never leaves. I, I Okay. I think I can tell what it is. Yeah, John Posey's not a good actor. And no, Bob it's a not. Much better you know what? It's not even it's that he's not acting like their father. He's acting like their like their friend their who's friend. like watching them. Or like like he's the father's friend who's just watching them for the day. Like he's Joey. <laughs> yes, that's what it is. It, that's Danny's got. What's interesting is like Danny's isn't much better, but it's it's it has a rigidity to it, like that, like an actual. You mean Bob fa- Saget? Yeah, sorry, Bob Saget isn't much better. It's just got this like a little bit more rigidness, but to its advantage like he's their father trying to awkwardly like get them to do something okay, like, I like it like it just seems more like real that's it all it does seem like, more real you're that, right that's all it is it's like he again he's doing the like i'm your friend kind of like i'm i'm just the babysitter is okay. what john posey seems like <laughs> yeah <laughs> um you know the other problem with him he's not tall it just it matters to me I, that doesn't matter he's not he's like shorter yeah, than that's the just other life two. i mean your dad could care. be shorter i guess my dad was shorter that's but just i'm the, just saying that's just the luck of the draw danny tanner's supposed to be tall but despite all of this you know the, the pilot was screened for the people that make the decisions it wasn't right. on tv they picked it up they yeah. picked up the show they said we're gonna order this because the premise is still good it's still good and the, the cast the girls are good mm-hmm Candace Cameron and Jodie Sweetin are very good. I'll give it. I'll give it this: the girls worked with both dads real well. Yeah, they're good. They they, they made it work. And John Stamos is good too. Yeah, Dave Coulier is what he is. I, I don't dislike him. He is funny sometimes. His stand up isn't funny to me, but he is funny on the show sometimes. He's funny in the like very family situations where yeah. he's like trying to cheer them up or something like because he's just so goofy. He is. Goofy. He's like your goofy uncle who like really does. <laughs> he tries, but he's just such a weirdo. We should also I, mention. <sighs> His name's not Uncle Joey. I know. I always call him that, though. Don't call him that. See, no I one. feel like that's more affectionate, though, yeah, because but, like he's but you're like, he, wrong. No, it's not that he's their biological uncle. But they but don't he, call him Uncle Joey. I never understood why not because, because like, they have the real Uncle Jesse. Why isn't he friend it's uncle? Disrespectful like to the real uncle. Okay. All I'm saying is the only times that I'm aware of on the show. I've been watching. Listen, Quinn, I've been watching the show for 30 years. Okay? <laughs> <Yeah>. uh, <laughs> the only time that I have ever heard him called Uncle Joey is Jesse saying it to Nikki and Alex. Go see your Uncle Joey. Okay, so why is it okay in that situation that he, Nikki and Alex call him Uncle Joey? Because A, they don't matter. Two, they're not on the show <laughs> that long. It's like a different part of the show, right? But he loves Joey so much as his, like, that he thinks of him like a brother. I'm just saying the girls never call him that. I know. 
Danny never refers to him as that. Danny has the authority. If he w- he would be the one to christen him the uncle. I just think it's awkward that Jesse's kids call him Uncle Joey, but Danny's kids don't, even though he's Jesse's the same kid, relationship. His Jesse's kids grew up in the house with him. I guess. And Danny and, and Jesse were, ver- I mean, Joey and Jesse were very close friends by then. I see. They didn't like each other in the beginning, remember? Mm-hmm. Well, Jesse didn't like Joey. Right. Anywho, uh, the show's picked up, and thankfully, between that initial spring 87 pilot and the fall season... That hideous CBS morning program was canceled. Yeah? Good. And Jeff Franklin pounced. He shit-canned John Posey. <laughs> he pulled in Bob Saget. And then they reshot the whole thing. Well, that's interesting. This isn't it the same scenes, right? They only reshot the ones involving John Posey. Well, yeah, obviously. Yeah. They don't have to like redo all of it. So they just, you know, continuity. They did a really good job with seamless continuity for the most part. You lost my daughter? I went to work for seven hours and you lost 33% of my children? Yeah, that's why it's cool that you can look to this day and find the identical episode just with John Posey. With John Posey. It's like a bizarro universe, man. Uh, So they basically used that as the first regular season episode called Our Very First Show. It premiered on September 22nd, 1987. And we're going to talk all about the seasons of Full House. All eight of them. That is coming up to you here. But everywhere you look, maybe you should take a break first, right? Yeah. Maybe, maybe you should do that. Possibly. That's what yeah. we're going to do. We will be back for, hey, a rundown of Full House. Who doesn't love this show? Probably a lot of people. But I like it. So. It's good. It's good. We hope you think it's good, but we'll be talking about it one way or another when more Acid Wash Memories returns. Tomorrow, come on down. Three guys give motherhood a try. Ta-da! Hello, Cinderella. It's the premiere of Full House. Then, the wedding kept her from being deported, but the romance will have to wait. Sing to you? Spanish lullaby. La Cucaracha. The premiere of I Marry Dora. Then, brothers and sisters. Edison uncovers a television evangelist. Max Headroom following the premieres of Full House and I Marry Dora tomorrow. Maybe there are uh, too many dads living here in this home. And just what is that supposed to mean? Well, haven't you ever seen that show, My Three Dads? <laughs> yeah, it's called Full House, you dipshit. You can really see how little your dick is in that suit. <laughs> sorry, Patty. Sorry, Patty. I'm sorry, Bob. <laughs> Bacon. Cheese. Bacon. Gail, what are you doing in my dream? Your dream? What are you doing in my dream? I can't stop thinking about Wendy's big classic with bacon on it. And cheese, too. Hi, may I suggest Wendy's new bacon and cheese big classic? It's a dream of a meal at Wendy's. We're adding bacon and processed cheese to our big classic for a hamburger you won't want to miss. Thank you. Hurry to Wendy's for a dream come true. Wendy's new bacon and cheese big classic. 
now we return to more Acid Washed Memories. And welcome back to Acid Wash Memories. This is episode number 55, and we're talking about Full House. I'm Joe Morano. That's Michael Quinn. Hi. You have not been replaced by John Posey. I got to wake up. (laughs) I like that, Quinn. Very good. Thank you guys for uh, being with us here today, whether it's your first time or you've been with us a while. We really do appreciate you. We just want to remind you to follow us on Twitter at AWM Podcast and join our friendly Facebook group and leave us a review on your favorite podcast app, if you don't mind. Yes. We would like that. Do you like it? It is nice when you do that. It is nice when you do that. So, talking about Full House, the pilot went well, despite John Posey. We replaced him with the original choice to begin with, Bob Saget. And all is right in the world. All is right in the world. So, season one premiered September of 87, like we said. Mm -hmm. Ran until May of 88. The premiere was on a Tuesday, incidentally. That's weird. Like, it started in, in like, what it would end up in. Yeah, exactly. But then the show generally aired on Fridays. There wasn't, it wasn't called TGIF yet in that season. Yeah, didn't TGIF not come along until, what, 88, 89? 88, yeah. Yeah. So, number 71 in the uh, ratings overall for the season. The first season, that's it? Wow, yeah, did, that 71. did that bad. <laughs> did that bad. Um, How the hell did they even get a season two with those ratings? Well, I think they saw potential in it. Okay. So season one of Full House is kind of the black sheep of the series. It is weird. It is weird. The plots are more adult-oriented. It's more of a show about the three guys at that point. So I think the biggest issue with season one is the kids are like too young to like be impactful. Yeah, they're more just um, not window dressing. That's not nice, but like they're there for jokes and they're for there emotion. to get to play off the adults like stumbling and fumbling to parent them. The only reason we took advantage of you is because you had no idea what you were doing. <laughs> and a lot of that first season focuses on the adjustments to them not having their mom and Joey and Jesse living there. Joey and Jesse learning how to do this shit. By the way, in canon, what the arrangement was is that uh, since Danny was a sportscaster. Uh, he has like these weird work hours. So Joey, who is a nighttime stand-up comic, he handles all the daytime shit, gets yeah. them to school. Like, right. And then when Jesse comes home from his exterminator job. He handles the afternoon. He handles the afternoon and evenings, and then Danny comes home. Right. I mean, so they actually did think it through. Right. To their so credit. there's like an actual like functional reason why all of this exists. Yep. And uh, Jesse also, of course, moonlights as a musician. Right. We know that on weekends With and stuff rippers, like that. With the Rippers, of course. With the Rippers, yeah. We meet the Rippers in season one. One. Lord says to don't you kiss me once or twice and say it's very nice and then you run. I always found it funny too, just talking about Uncle Jesse for a second. Yeah. That like the super cool rock and roll guy, he apparently like missed the British invasion. Like yeah. all of his shit is based on like 50s rock. He was born in 63. I know. You'd think he'd like ACDC and Van Halen what and I stuff. What I find more weird is he's like, for such a cool guy, he's very dorky. Jesse? Like, he's a yeah, big he dork. He is still a dork, Like, he's, yeah. a, he's a huge dork. I know. It's almost like he has, like, the mullet and everything just to seem cool, but he just isn't. <laughs> like, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> like, I always got the impression, like, the Rippers and Jesse and the Rippers and all that, that they're, like, not really that famous. They're not. Yeah, right? It's like, they're kind of just almost like a hobby. It's like uh, his side gig. Yeah. He's an exterminator. Right. That's <laughs> he, true. He really is. But like we are saying, a lot of the first season focuses on the adjustments. And as you can see in the pilot, and it continues on, DJ is a much more pessimistic and somewhat bitter character than she would later be. Right. Where she was like the golden child. Yeah. They, they really changed DJ. Like, at the beginning, you're right. She's like the realist. Yeah. But then she just becomes like absorbed in it. The good Like, student. I'm nice. Yeah. Like, and like... Like, I don't do anything wrong. Yeah. It's just hard being brave for my little sister all the time. 
like when you couldn't take me shopping. I felt terrible. But I couldn't show it because if I did, Stephanie would cry about you missing her recital. Stephanie is just cute and optimistic and very yeah. funny. I feel like Stephanie's the one that becomes the, the freaking pessimist and the like yeah. the annoyed one. She, she becomes the Randy Taylor, yeah. the middle child, you yeah. know? Tomorrow's the first day of kindergarten and I have nothing to wear. Your bed is full of clothes. Yeah, but they're not me. Well, they're me, but they're the preschool me. And Danny's mom, Claire, is in a few episodes. Oh, my God. My granddaughter is a turtle. <laughs> I want to just talk about the living arrangements real quick so we're clear. So in the very beginning of the series, Joey actually sleeps on the couch and he puts his crap in that alcove under the right, stairs. Right, I remember that. There was all this junk in there yeah, for a while. Yeah, it's all his crap yeah. with his mannequin that always has the same shirt as him. Mm-hmm. And Jesse had moved in in the pilot to Stephanie's old room, hence the pink bunnies on the walls. Which also, I feel like, was done on purpose so that yeah. there would be the funny, oh, cool, like, hot shot guy living in a bunny room. Yep, you're absolutely like, it looks right. Like, what a big dork. What a big dork. You're hugging me in a room with pink bunnies. <laughs> The big serious arc, it's a two-part episode, involves Jesse almost leaving, like he's had enough of it. Yeah. Also, there's another bit where Danny starts to date again. That was like a big deal. That's Mm -hmm. addressed. Midway through the first season is where Joey goes away on a college tour of, you know, campuses to do stand-up for a couple weeks. And while he's gone, Danny converts the garage into a finished bedroom for Joey. I remember this being like, almost like, a big moment for the family because it felt like it made Joey like a permanent resident. Danny, this must have cost a fortune. Don't ask. (laughs) Joey, you're my best friend and you're doing me the biggest favor of my life by helping me raise my girls. This is just our way of saying thanks. Overall, the season is a little more adult-oriented, a little more sarcastic. Yeah. But the humor is different. What the hell did you do with Vanessa? Between the two of us, we make one hell of a guy. I finished Love Me Tender. We did a short medley from Viva Las Vegas, and I got the hell out of the tub. Damn, it's busy. I don't know what the hell you've been eating. I guess we should talk about the theme song, which debuted, obviously, with the first season. So mm-hmm. everyone knows it. Everywhere you look, blah, blah, blah. So it was sung by um, Jesse Fred Ritten and sung by Jesse Frederick, who kind of has a um, a Rod Stewart-esque voice. Now, is he the Jesse of the real Jesse in the Rippers show? <laughs> Right. Yeah, the the, uh, the real Rippers, yes. Yeah. Um, like the real Ghostbusters, right. Quinn. Jesse Frederick was a musician since, God, the 60s or 70s. Two first names. <laughs> you don't trust people with two first That's names. That's always huh? a sign of, like, you might not be a big star. Okay, but, Michael Quinn. Yeah. <laughs> but in all seriousness, Jesse Frederick, he had written but did not sing, for the record, the Perfect Strangers theme song. Ah. He doesn't sing that one. David Pomeranz does, but he wrote that one, and he would go on to write all the uplifting Miller Boyette songs. So he's the Miller Boyette, like, in-house musician, yes. essentially. So Family Matters, written and sung. The Jim Johnston of Miller <laughs> Boyette. <laughs> exactly. Step by step, mm-hmm. written and sung, right? All that shit. The only difference in the first season versus the laters is there's no electric guitar in the first season Quinn, you were under the impression for a very long time that the opening lyrics were whatever happened to predictability. Yeah, the milkman, the paperboy, even Aunt Didi. Now, why would there be an Aunt Didi in the lyrics? Well, I just, I, I, I just 
thought it was just like uh, the singer's maybe Aunt Dee Dee or something. Like, you know, like like he's re- reminiscing about the past and maybe he had an Aunt Dee Dee. And so he says, even Aunt Dee Dee. Like as if like she's like some person from his past or something. Now, were you in your 20s when you found out the real words? 30s? Like 20s. <laughs> I, I did not. It's not like, I mean, the show went off the air in 1995. Yes, I was like did. nine years old. So yes. like, <laughs> like it's, it's not like I like thought deeply about it. What was funny is, like, I never asked anyone about it or anything. It's like, I feel like I was singing it once in front of you because we were just reminiscing about yes. the show. And, like, you were like, it's not Aunt Dee Dee. It's Evening TV. And I'm like, what do you mean it's even not Aunt Dee Dee? Like, in my head, it was, like, always Aunt Dee Dee. Even Aunt Dee Dee. It uh. does. Like, it, listen, after I'm saying this, if you didn't, if you heard Evening TV, you might now hear it as Even I Aunt Dee I hear it as Even Aunt Dee Dee because yeah. of you. Evening TV. Can I ask you a question? You're a big theme song fan. Is this one of the better ones? First, it's seconds? definitely like up there, right? Because yeah. of the chorus. Well, it's because it's just really memorable. Yeah, the bass at the yeah. end. And, and the shots that we make fun of the other Millerboyettes for using. This was like the first one that kind of did it. Yeah, like it's like it was like these were the Full House shots. Like this right. is like how the Full House opening is. So it's funny to see these ones that are like just an imitation Correct. of it. Like right. that's like, but that's because Full House. It's like it wasn't ironic and weird when Full House did it. It's just right. they were the first to do it. The shot of the Golden Gate Bridge and them in the car. I would say Perfect Strangers is similar-ish, but it's not. It's when we get to like going places and family matters. Oh it's like, God. okay, and like step now, by step. now this is just the same shit over and over again. I do want to mention there's a few different versions of the theme song throughout the life of the series. There's the full version, which has, it's like a minute and 30, right? Mm-hmm. Then they have the syndicated only one, which is whatever happened to predictability, the milkman, the paperboy, even in TV. And then there's a line that's only in the syndicated one, which is... There's that one. There's one that omits the waiting just around the bend bit. It just goes yep. right to the intro after the beginning. And then there's the the short one, which is just everywhere you look. Yeah. Where it's just right to the fucking point. It, it, you know why they do that though? If you think about it, it's probably for all syndication packages, yep. so that like they have like a quick like. Oh, do you need like a 25 second one? Do you need like yep. a thir- maybe a, a little longer, a 30? Se- do you need a 45 second one? That's and, exactly right. Like, that's like why they do that. That's exactly right. Uh, let's talk about season two now that we've gotten all this important stuff out of the way. Yep. Let us know what you think of the Full House theme song. So season two, September 88 to May of 89, they moved way up in the ratings when they finished at number 28 whoa that's a huge jump much better now we're in the top 30 that's yeah. that's good this is where they added opening teasers they didn't have them the first season you know like the little dumb scene this, this friday on full house no. <laughs> like, like <laughs> that shit on abc why were you Joe Sorolla almost? Well, because there would always be some weird guy that had nothing to do with the show telling no, us that the shell fell in a pile of no, leaves or I something. Don't mean that. And now, now, <laughs> you know, you know what the I mean. Shell fell in a pile of leaves. You can get leaves at Wendy's. Try yeah. to do Wendy's bacon. But leaves you know what burger. I mean? Those like ABC bumpers where there was like where it's not Ernie Anderson. Today it's like, they lose Michelle in the ball pit. Will they find her? <laughs> find out at eight. Like, this ever I, happened? I, I'm just I'm just making plots up. But the, plot. but the point is, it's like it was always like that. Tonight, Jesse and his band are off to Japan. Okay, listen, that's not what I meant. Uncle that's- Jesse needs to go to the dentist this week. Is he going to be scared? Like, it's like always some shit like that. <laughs> what I mean is the opening, like, one minute scene that has nothing to do with anything right before oh, the Oh, the, like, that shit. The okay. pre-roll. The yeah. pre-roll. Good night, my love. Do I pleasant dreams sleep tight, my love. And most notably... 
The season opens with Jesse getting his hair cut because Stephanie accidentally cuts his mullet. All right. And then he has to get the short hair. Thanks to Mr. Stephanie's pretend haircut, he's forced to get a real one, which I hate. And this was like a huge fucking deal at the time. It's like, oh my God, John Stamos has the short hair now? Well, yeah, because they, they hyped up the mullet. But then, like, honestly, it became weird. <laughs> Looking back, I feel like that happened early enough to the point that it became funny to look back at mullet John Stamos. Like, that was the weird one. Yeah, and they also, like, reference it in flashback clips and stuff. Yeah. Like, fake flashback clips. They give mm-hmm. him a mullet wig. Also, Uncle Jesse's last name is now... Not Cochran, but Katsopoulos with no explanation ever mentioned. Well, they need that for later when they go to Greece and all this. <laughs> that, that's what it was. Stamos, John Stamos wanted a more Greek last name. He didn't right. want it to be Cochran, so they acquiesced. What's interesting is the haircut seems to change Jesse's life because he's like, you know what? I don't want to be an exterminator anymore because now yeah. I have short hair. Now I want to be a jingle writer or yeah, whatever it is. Exactly. <laughs> you know, I've been working as an exterminator to earn a living until my band made it, right? Mm. Well, selling this jingle made me realize that I can earn a living playing music right now. So we meet Jesse's parents, Nick and Irene. Mm -hmm. They're kind of fun. Uh, Nick, you're not listening. He's trying to tell you something. Irene, when it comes to my son, I don't need your help. Oh, really? I suppose when he was born, you went into labor. (laughs) What do you think? Carrying you out to the car wasn't labor? Oh, you're starting with the weight again? That was love weight. Come on, please, please. Nick is the one that owned the exterminated business that Jesse quits. So Jesse and Joey do go into advertising with Jesse providing like the musical end and Joey like the comedy end of it. Right. And they work for a guy named Mr. Malatesta, his agency. They work from home, which is very progressive for 1988. You see, sir, it would solve a lot of our problems if we could work at home. Work at home? Yes. Um, Jesse and I have some dreams that we're not ready to give up yet. That's right. We have these kids that we'd really miss. All right. The strike out. Also, Danny is promoted to now host a morning show mm-hmm. known as Wake Up San Francisco. Yes. But we he's not doing it alone. We meet his co-host, mm-hmm. Rebecca Donaldson from Nebraska. Rebecca, no offense, but have you ever hosted a talk show before? As a matter of fact, I have. AM Omaha for two years. How about you? Have you ever hosted a talk show? That's kind of personal. <laughs> Yes, yeah, so Rebecca. Rebecca Donaldson was played by Lori Laughlin, who was born in 1964 in New York. Mm-hmm. She had begun acting as a teen. This is well before she paid her kids way into college. Right. Uh, 1980 to 1983 on the edge of the night and a handful of guest appearances on other it's shows and a movies. a bunch of commercials for like Atari computers yep. or something. Oops, she got to start over. Relax, Adam. Read that paragraph. Is that legal? She has that look about her like an earmarked, like she's just got actress look to her like back in the 80s and 70s a lot i feel they never did you ever notice like the people that would be on tv just did not look like normal people ever they were like very against like they were they would always find these like spookily beautiful looking people whether it be male or female like it was just like these are not real people like there's nobody that looks like this right sure and she's just she's got that written all over she does like it's right it's like this is this is not what a normal human looks like she really was uh striking actually to be completely honest and uh she started appearing on the show as danny's co-host she was 23 24 i always thought she was older when i was a kid because you're a kid she was so young no she was really young really young have mercy. <laughs> Hi. Hi. You must be Jesse, Danny's brother-in-law. Danny told me about you. Oh, yeah? What did he say? He said he had a brother-in-law named Jesse. Also in season two, 
the Beach Boys make their first appearance playing a concert. And I want to mention they're not on the other side of the island, Quinn, and you know what I mean. And now, would I be introduced some new friends to help us sing our next song? They are the Tanner Family. This is where DJ wins a radio contest to get tickets to the Beach Boys. Because DJ, a kid, she just, the Beach Boys, that's her favorite band. (laughs) Not Guns N' Roses or anything. Right. Oh, that Axel. Yeah, I know. And, of course, the Beach Boys come to their house because that's what happens when you want to talk I mean, us. the Beach Boys aren't popular anymore in 1988 or whatever. Like, yeah, Kokomo. Yeah, I know, but still. That song sucks. It's catchy, though. In season two, Michelle starts to talk a little bit. So there's that. Mm-hmm. Danny makes out with DJ Spanish teacher, and for the that's f- his first like I'm I'm dating people. <laughs> no, like, it's what not the his hell? first one, but yeah. it is like it's one it, of it's them. It's early. It's early. <laughs> and for the first time, we see home video footage, including Pam, and that's from the day Michelle came home from the hospital. And this is one of those instances where they put the the mullet wig on Jesse, <laughs> and Joey wears like the shitty season one like Hawaiian style shirt that he only wore in season one. Hey, anybody order pizza? <laughs> Give me my baby joy. Oh. You're not a pizza, Michelle. No, you're a big, beautiful meatball. <laughs> you know, to to see your mom on a video, especially in the 80s when you didn't have phones and stuff, that's a big deal. That's it an was emotional rare, thing. Yeah. yeah. And it is a, a bit of an emotional scene. With I remember it. that felt like very like profound. It was. Because first of all, like, Okay, I'm not going to lie, as a kid, the backstory was very murky to me. Like, I didn't understand that he was like, like, I didn't get it. Right, right. If anything, I thought that maybe they were divorced or something. Like, I I did not think that they were like, that that there was like death involved or anything. That anything sad could possibly happen on Full House. I know. You know what I mean? Like, but the whole premise of the show is based on tragedy. Uh huh. And it was poignant, I think. That's a Mm -hmm. good way to put it, though, Quim. Profound to see the actual, like, Tanner parents together. Right. You know, like, I know it's it's a TV show, but you know what I mean, right? It's just the way the show was not very serious most of the time. So for something like this to happen, it seemed like, whoa, okay, like, this is not supposed to happen. Like, this sad shit's not supposed to happen. They're supposed to, like, have trouble cooking or something. (laughs) Right, right, exactly. What? Making out with Spanish teachers, apparently. I'm so glad you're home. So glad you're both home. Now we have the three most wonderful daughters in the whole world. <laughs> Isn't Mom beautiful? Now there's still some undertones of that, but a lot of the episodes are like just very self-contained, very simple. Hey, we're gonna write this jingle, Jess, or yeah. whatever. You know what I mean? Like dumb shit. And of course they get it, and there's big hugs at the end <laughs> yeah. and high fives. That's one of the big hallmarks of, of Full House, by the way, while yeah. we're rolling along here, is the hugging and the sentimental music. Well, That's what it got lambasted for. Okay, but so I the, mean the, the the big thing in my head, very specifically, if we get into the specifics here. It's always, at some point in the episode, the kid does something bad or, like, 
they're sad or something. It doesn't matter what it is. The kid have one of the kids has a problem. It could be Michelle, DJ, Stephanie. It doesn't matter, right? Sure. And there's always a scene where Danny takes one of them to the bedroom and he sits them on their bed and, and then the music da na 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 like and but what's wrong with that? And like and, and he like explains that everything's gonna be okay and blah blah blah, right? But it's what's like, wrong with that? I'm just saying it's it's the fact that it was like every episode, I think is why it was like played out. It felt like there was always an excuse why they had to go sit in the bedroom with dad as he gives his knowledge to them or something Occasion- with, the, with the sad music. Occasionally Jesse or Joey do it, but it's usually But Danny. that's like very rare. Usually, if anything, like Jesse and Joey try to like calm down the situation, but it escalates to the point where Danny has to get involved and and take them to the bedroom and like the sit them down and explain something with the sappy music. So you're saying it's predictable? Yes. Well, I mean the the, the song does opine. You know, yeah. whatever happened to predictability? Well, it's Full a, House is predictable, and I think that's the point, though. It's yeah. supposed to be. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? You go to McDonald's, it's predictable. Mm-hmm. You know what the Big Mac is going to taste like. And I think that's part of the point. I think it's mainly the music that people remember. It's like this, like, it's they always use that same whatever that is. Like, I, what's funny is they weren't the first show to use cues like that musically. Yeah. They weren't the last, but for whatever reason, it's like a full house trope, right? Like, I literally, every time I hear that music, I have one of two visions. Danny sitting on the pencil bed <laughs> or yeah, Danny happens. sitting on the bed with the red bars. Yeah, the DJ bed. The DJ bed. One of the other. I'm sorry, Dad. All I could think about was getting a horse. I just want you to trust me again. What can I do? Well, I don't know, DJ. But I want you to know, even if you do something I don't like, I'm always going to love you. Bob Saget does a pretty damn good job. He did not have to try as hard as he did for what this show is, and he really did try. Well, yeah, he seems like... He put his heart into this I gotta say, role. like, as sappy and stupid as it is, it is, like, legit comforting. He means like, this. Yeah, yeah. He did not need to put this much effort yeah. into this program. It's, it gives you this vision of... Like how when your parents would do something like that, yeah. right? And so it kind of gives you the, like a fuzzy feeling when he's like telling the kids, like father knows besting them. Right. Like I have the ability to compartmentalize certain yeah. things. So I can look at Full House and appreciate it for what it is and be touched by what it is and laugh sometimes at what it is and still not think it's like the best show ever or yeah. a critical darling. You know it's what I true. mean? Like Seinfeld made me laugh more. Roseanne got me more emotionally invested. I'll say, I'll say the one last thing that I think that people lampoon yeah. it about is about the sit down in the bedroom lampoon. thing. Yeah, I'm going to lampoon them. Is that, that it always ends with Danny making like a joke that cheers the kid up and the whole audience laughs after they've been, after they've been, aw, Yeah, like, aw. just make sure like, you get that gum out of your hair. Yeah, or it's always, it's always, there's always like a, he has like a one liner at the end and then like, <laughs> I don't know, like, like goes like this to Michelle's nose or, or pats him on the head or it's some dumb shit. And yeah. then they, and then they like happily skip off. Like, it's like, it's always the same ending. You smell like horseradish. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Sometimes this happens. You're still gonna punish me, aren't you? Oh yeah, <laughs> big time. The biggest th- thread of season two is that Becky and Jesse, after some reluctance, some wooing, they a lot sh- of wooing, a lot of wooage, they start dating. Jesse, I know what I said before, but I think maybe now we should go out. I mean, who knows? Maybe this could turn into something. Or maybe it won't. Or maybe it already has. Or maybe you should just shut me up. Okay. 
And what's interesting about Rebecca Donaldson's character, Lori Laughlin, she was only signed initially for a six-episode recurring deal. Right. But she was so popular with the audiences that they just fucking kept her. Okay, so there's a lot to this, but I've always felt the primary reason she was kept on is because she provided a mother figure, especially when you had three girls. She did. She provided an elder adult voice. That was also a female. That felt like necessary at this point in their development as children. Yep. Like that. Okay. They like need like a woman around to like some point. Like how is Danny going to handle, you know, periods and shit like that? Like like he, you need something. I'm just, I'm sorry. You just do. And at the same time, you had the double convenience of having it be a love interest for Jesse. I'll make you a deal. Hmm. We won't name our kids until we've been dating at least three months. All right, that's a fair deal. 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 And the season finale of season two is Becky and Jesse almost getting married in Lake Tahoe. We're at the fabulous Alibaba Hotel and Casino. This is where Jesse proposes. She finally says yes. They're going to do the wedding in Tahoe, like right. some cheesy wedding, and mm-hmm. then she backs out. Do you, Rebecca Donaldson, take Jesse Katsopoulos to be your lawfully wedded husband, for better or for worse, uh, in sickness and health, et cetera, et cetera, till death figure part say, I do. I. I. I think I need more time to think this over. They almost break up, but they stay together. Everything's fine at Mm -hmm. the end of season two. Season three, September 89 to May of 1990. We're getting into the 90s now. We're still doing better in the ratings, Quinn. 21. So incredible. Yeah. Friday. Four kids. Stay off our planet. They're back. <laughs> There's traffic everywhere. Full house. Damn. Why is every kid's first word always mama? Not Eddie. His first word was, huh? It's family matters. Friday. Quinn, you'll like this. Okay. The first episode of season three is known as Tanner Island. What's okay. your problem with this one? This one is so stupid. I can't yeah, I believe agree. this is like the premiere. They go to like, Hawaii. So they go to Hawaii and they go on like a boat or something. I, I forget like how it all happens, but basically they get stranded on an island. Because Danny was sailing to a potato chip crumb. Where'd the island go? It's on your finger, Dad. <laughs> Ahoy, mateys. Your skipper has been sailing all morning to a potato chip crumb. <laughs> This is like a Gilligan's Island this plot. Is stupid. Like it's so stupid. I agree with like, you. Like I can't even believe. Like I'm, I'm just imagining the the stingers in the middle of the week before it premiered. Just like the Tanners get lost in an island. Will they ever get away? Or like something like that. Like it just, it's so bad. And they get on the island. And they like wander all over the island, and then they end up like <laughs> realizing that like the other They're, side of it is yep. like the where play, they were where, trying to be. Yeah, like they were just on the other side of the island that they already were on. Pua, it was called. Yeah. I don't mean to pry, but where are we? Pua. And they just like wander into a Beach Boys concert or no, something. No. Like, I don't know. It's terrible. I know you're not saying this on purpose. Yeah, I'm not. But and this I know is how I've I told remember you this it. before. Yeah. And I even showed you that other people think this. They do not wander into a Beach Boys so concert. Is this like concert. a Mandela effect that other people have too? Yes. That they like wander into a Beach Boys concert? Folks, let us know if you also conflate these two things. There's one episode in season two where they go to a Beach Boys concert and they go on stage and play because that's totally what happens. But it's also in an outdoor setting, is it not? Is that why we're conflating this thing? I don't. We don't speak. Yeah, sorry, but other people are. 
This is an episode where they wander to the other side of Pua. Pua. After deciding they're going to build a, a hut, and they build it very nicely for yeah. kids. Um, <laughs> and yeah, over, but the adults are there, too. No, I know, but over on the other side of the island here of Pua. Pua. This episode is Pua. <laughs> it's um, very Pua. There's like a, you know, a native concert going on, but Becky is able to talk to the maestro and say that Jesse can go up and play guitar or something. <laughs> This is all ridiculous. I yeah, I still We're getting dumb. So I what's obviously like like sticks out at me is just like I don't even know how they were able to air this. Like it's just so like not even like even for full house, this is a little much. It's crappy. I don't I don't like this episode. And it like none of them better. are like this is might be the wackiest episode in the entire show because there is a point in this episode where the characters are seriously contemplating like what if we don't get saved yeah, like, like what if like, we just have if, to live on the island what if this is the rest of the show <laughs> like that we're just on on an island so dumb i agree with like, you like it, it, like the fact that that's even like it goes that far too much to me listen i'm with you quinn for a show that is so near and dear to my heart my memories i'm not afraid to uh to give it what i think this, it this deserves. Is, this is the one that i hate this one does this not if it was any other show does this really no joke this feels like a jump the shark episode yeah and like, if it wasn't full house it would yeah, have been yeah but they had a lot of life left in them this they were lucky season they three. were lucky yeah. this didn't like sink them no yeah. pun intended <laughs> <laughs> DJ in this season starts seventh grade, and that becomes difficult for. The kid has a mustache. These people, they're like totally mature. Michelle in this season starts to really become Michelle. And what I mean by that is. The catchphrases. You got it, dude, yeah. and you're in big trouble, <laughs> mister. And basically, not stealing the show, but getting a lot more screen time. Let's put so, it that way. There was a point, yeah, this, I would say this is the point. I think a lot of the audience was younger children. Yeah, I mean, we were watching it. Yeah, and I feel like Michelle to us was the most relatable. Yeah, Michelle to a, to a certain degree. Stephanie seemed even older by some. Even yeah, to me, Stephanie seemed. She older. is three years three years older than so me. So it was like Michelle was like my conduit into the show. She's she was literally born the year I was born. Yeah, exactly. So like, I was just like, oh well, everything Michelle's doing, she's in the same grade as me, and yep. like all this stuff, and so like every experience she was having, like I was literally having at the same time. Correct. Let you out of your crib. I let me out. You mean you climbed over the bars and jumped down all by yourself? You got it, dude. <laughs> like I said at the beginning, I think the show was designed that way. I, maybe. I, I think the know. kids were spaced apart in such a manner. Yeah, I give you like, that. You know what I'm saying? I give you that. She didn't quite Urkel the show, though. Like, she was never... No, she never got, like, as extreme no. as Urkel. She was always, like, I feel like balanced as far as her screen time definitely not as bad as urkel yeah definitely not as bad as urkel in this season for the record scott bale makes a, a cameo as one of uh, jesse's friends from back in the day of course he would be how you doing good how you doing great, you're man. great you're supposed to call me when you got back from europe that's what i'm doing i just got back man oh what a, what a trip i learned how to say trust me babe in 12 different languages <laughs> We get the Star Search. Remember Joey on Star Search? Yeah. That one happens. He's from San Francisco, works in advertising. He's been doing comedy for 10 years. Whoa, that's a long time. Please welcome Joey Gladstone. 
Doris Roberts, who would obviously go on to play Marie Barone on Everybody Loves Raymond. Right. She makes a, an appearance as Danny's mom, Claire, even though a different actress like played her in the first season. Well, that happens all the time in these yeah. shows. Remember Seinfeld, the other parents or yeah, whatever? Morty, yeah. Well, now that I'm divorced and my kids have grown up and I'm retired, my life went from get up and go to why get up. But Doris Roberts is not a good fit for Danny's mom in this one. She's like Marie Barone being on Full House. But an interesting bit of trivia, Quinn, she is the one that bought Michelle the infamous pencil bed. The pencil bed, yes. She's the one that bought it. This, this, this bed would make it to like the end. Oh, it's a very it famous bed, very, yeah. Like, again, because Danny always sits on it and gives a talk. But Don't worry about that. Uh, there's a few serious episodes in this season, more mm-hmm. so than we've had. And I think, truthful, I'm not being facetious, I think they're both really well done. One is where Stephanie does not want to leave Danny's side because of the earthquake that they had had in San Francisco, which... That was, like, very realistic. They really had, yeah. They, like, actually, like, did, like, a childish traumatized storyline. Yep. And it was actually well done. Really well done. And it aired, like, I think less than two months after the real earthquake. It right. It was timely. They must have written it real quick. No, Daddy, you can't go! Sweetie, it's only for a couple hours. Steph, we'll be here with you. Yeah, we'll play any game you want. No, I want my daddy! You can't go! Don't leave me! It's okay. It's okay. I won't go. I'll stay here with you. Okay? Everything's all right. I'll tell you what. Jody Sweeten's acting in this. She was good. And Bob Saget's acting in this is good. I think it's a great episode. Maybe we need some help with this. What do you mean? Take her to a therapist or something? Yeah, why not? Joey, it's not that serious. Danny, you just said that you wouldn't let me. Look, she has these times when she needs me, and then we spend some time together and, and things are calm again. Hey, Danny, admit it. After what happened today, whatever Stephanie's problem is, it's not going away. It's getting worse. Well, what do you want me to do? Take her to some stranger and say I can't handle my own kid's problem? No! I want you to say that you love Stephanie so much that you would do anything to help her. Really well done. Kimmy starts to appear more in this episode and this season and the previous. This is where they start to establish what Kimmy is, which is dumb. That's like her home and, and her feet smell. Yes, but they also Those are like the two. Okay, things. so I feel like put they put seeds in of like that. Danny kind of thinks she's a bad influence to a certain extent. Yeah, he just th- finds her annoying more than anything else. He finds her annoying. Right. That's really all it but is. She's actually like she's a good friend. Is that yeah. what I always like? Ultimately, about her. she really she's very loyal. She's very loyal. Yep. Yeah, and she has some good lines. She's funny. Yeah, I like Kimmy. I've had my own phone for six months, Mister T. <laughs> Don't call me Mister T. Maybe, though, the most memorable episode, not only of season three, but of the entire series, Quinn, Mm -hmm. is where Stephanie crashes Joey's car into the house. (laughs) So this is a a plot that could have ended up on the more surreal island side of things, but it didn't because it's just so... It could happen, theoretically, Quinn. It's very iconic. What's perfect about this episode, I feel like it plays off each character the way they are. Right. Basically, the plot is that Joey's cleaning his car in the driveway or whatever, yes. right? And he's like, I got to go pick up some extra wax or some shit, right? I forget what yeah, he has to do. I think you're right. Yeah, I think like, that's what it is. He's like, he's like, Stephanie, watch the car like almost facetiously, like, yeah. like it's going to go away or anything, yeah, right. right? Oh, no. What's wrong, Joey? Nick. Okay. What's wrong, Nick? <laughs> well, there's a Nick in the paint, Steph. I'm going to go down to uh, Sid and Jean's Auto Supplies and get a little bottle of touch-up paint. So then Stephanie gets in the car and she starts pretending she's driving it. Like every kid did. Right. But 
I guess the he car was the like keys. he left the keys in and and she goes, oh, I want to listen to the radio. And so she she's like, I think if you turn this then the radio goes on. Right. Yeah. But, but the car's like in neutral or something because it's on blocks. I forget. And like, she, she shifts the um, the transmission into R for radio. That's it. She thinks she can turn on the radio with the transmission. Yep. She's a fucking kid. I need some driving music. <laughs> Whoa, stay. Stay. Good car. P R N D R. Must mean radio. And so she does it, and then the car goes right in, like it just rolls right through the window yep. into the kitchen. Yep. Whoa, Randy, whoa! What I find very good about the episode is you think Danny's first reaction would be like, what did you do? Or like right. some, the first thing he does is like, are you OK? Yeah. Like, like, which I always like like that. I know. At first, like he starts blaming Joey for it. This is my punishment for not filling the ice cube tray. <laughs> are you saying you didn't know about this? If I did, don't you think I would have bought a bigger jar of touch up paint? <laughs> They even use the Michelle catchphrases as like some for some humor here where she just like, you know, you're whoa, in big trouble, mister. And, and like, whoa, baby. Whoa, like she pulls all the, yeah. the catchphrases for this one. <laughs> she does. And it even, well, doesn't, isn't there a funny, I think this also happens. This episode is so memorable, but I'm, isn't there also a DJ like, whoa, babies with Michelle simultaneously because it's just so f- shocking or something? I, I think right after Michelle does. Yeah, they, like in like a bit of comedy, like DJ does. I think they the, all say it. I think they yeah. all walk in separately. Like even Jesse. Yeah, I like, think so. Like, and Jesse's just like, I didn't fucking do this. Like, yeah, like, he's like, like, I had nothing to do with this. And, and then, then they have to like show it to Danny, Mr. Clean. Yep. He's like trying to like quietly bring him in, like not to like shock him too much. Surprise in the kitchen or something like yeah. that. Yeah, it's good. Yeah, it's like, it's all well done. It's one of the most memorable episodes, if not the most pointed to reference. Yeah. The Full House. And we also have to get car. the talk about the don't do that. Well, like she wants to run away. Yeah. Remember? I should never get any allowance or presents ever again. And you should send me away to carpenter school so I can build you a brand new house that you can live in without me. And you'd never have to hug or kiss me again. Steph, there is nothing you could ever do that would make me stop hugging and kissing you. Nothing? Come here. Look. You have to know that no matter what you do wrong, and no matter how angry I get, I am always going to forgive you. She's really good. Jody Sweeten's great in this episode, too. She's really good in this one. Uh-huh. In this season, Becky and Jesse continue on with their dating. There's another serious episode, though, where DJ, who is, again, in middle school, she's at a dance. She's pressured to drink, and it gets spilled on her. The dance is lame, so we started our own party. You're drinking beer. Yeah, tastes horrible. Want some? No, I don't want some. You guys aren't supposed to be drinking beer. Big deal. We're just having some fun. Try it. (gasps) Cut it out. You didn't have to do that. Jesse, who was there to play a gig, but like he was by himself. Kind of chaperoning too, I feel like. Yeah, no, he was there to play the gig and then his band didn't show up. So he had to play with the marching band. He thinks that DJ was the one drinking. You are so uncool. Oh, and you think you're cool? The dance was lame. 
Now we're having a party. Forget it, DJ, we don't want any beer. Yeah, we're only 13. DJ Tanner. Uncle Jesse. You're in big, big trouble, young lady. By the way, it turns into like this whole thing with Danny and Joey and Jesse sitting around like, what the fuck are we going to do? Why is DJ drinking? She's 13. I can't believe this is happening. She's only 13, and she's such a good kid. Danny, this could happen to any kid. There's, there's a lot of pressure on them to try drinking. I don't know, not just from other kids, from, you know, sometimes these celebrities and rock stars and people these kids look up to. I mean, they're, they're making drinking look cool. I mean, they're sending the wrong message to kids. Stephanie's the only one that believes DJ that she didn't do it. I don't deserve to be treated this way. I didn't do anything. What didn't you do? <sighs> Doesn't matter. Nobody believes me anyway. Not Uncle Jesse, not Joey, not even Dad. <laughs> I believe you, DJ. And anyway, it's a serious one. But the finale of this season is the uh, We Love Our Children 90 telethon. This episode uh, features the Beach Boys, of course. Well, it wouldn't be a finale without the Beach Boys, would it not? A finale or first episode without the Beach Boys. <laughs> Fucking seriously. You'd really put us over the top if you'd sing a song. Well, I'd love to sing Be True to Your Skill if we could get those cheerleaders out here. And uh, Stephanie dancing the Love Shack, very mm-hmm. memorably, another memorable moment. Yep. Weird season finale. The, the plot is Danny's hosting a 24-hour telethon. Yeah. And can he stay awake? This season is very uneven and strange. Like, yeah, like there's it has, some good ones. Like, like I said, it has the high point of the car episode, but... <laughs> and there's some good ones with Joe and Jesse in the uh, advertising. I'm not mentioning yeah. every episode, folks, obviously. We don't have time. Right. There's some good ones, but yeah, it is a little uneven. Uh, season four, however, firmly in the 90s now, September of 90 to May of 1991. This one, Quinn, we have now jumped to number 14 in the ratings. Or really, yeah, now the show, like, I feel like this is the first year it was really popular, like yep. 91. Yeah, 90, like, 91, 92. And, yeah, like, this is, like, the prime for Full House. Absolutely. Like, this is, like, what everyone remembers. Uh, and they even reward them with brand new opening credits where all of the adults get location shots in actual San Francisco. Mm-hmm. These are the probably the most memorable credits. It's where Danny's, like, washing the car for a second. Right. John Samos is playing guitar in the brown jacket. This one got the one where Rebecca's in the red shirt with yep. the brown pants with and she, like, flowers. swings her hair. Like, yep. yeah. <laughs> and Joey's taking his sunglasses off sitting on the pier. Okay, yeah. That's um all actually shot in San Francisco. Go. Yeah, it's good. is this also the is it later or is this the one where they get on the trolley together? Yep. Yeah, okay, that yeah. and the picnic was shot for this. Okay, at the end where they're on the big field, it's like a new picnic though, right? Because Michelle's a little older or something. Well, because right? they had the the backyard one, yeah. previously, right? In the first in two and three, and then in season one, that was like a, in the kitchen. They picked her up when she was a baby. These are the things I know. The off Michelle, the top of my blue, head, the, the baby blue sweat suit that. that, that <laughs> picnic is the one i'm thinking of is it baby blue i don't know i just remember she like sticks out like a sore thumb in this sea of green like i'm just like what the like you're right all right so to kick off this season season four in the heart of the show now this is where jesse and becky get engaged ah yes finally you walk around the table with me yes yes (laughs) ladies and gentlemen i have an announcement to make Rebecca Donaldson and Jessica Tsopoulos are now engaged to be married. Again? Yes, again. <laughs> and we meet, for the first time, Pop Pooley, Jesse's grandfather from <laughs> yeah, Greece. This, this guy. And his so wife, is, Gina. Is the first time the last time? No. no okay. No. I'm, I'm just making sure. Makes me realize how lucky I am to have my Gina for 50 years. 
And to think she didn't even want to marry me. You had a beard. It was like kissing a goat. Also, this is kind of interesting. Jesse and Joey quit working for Mr. Malatesta. Right. And they opened their own freelance company uh, with help from Danny, who's a silent benefactor. Double J Creative Services. Sounds totally ain't, not shady at all. Ain't they great? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> now, this operates out of uh, their very spacious attic that we're first introduced to. Finally, the attic. So, all of a sudden, in season four, we have an unfinished attic. Just to add to Joe's annoyance. Well, I understand the value of having an attic. Right. Okay. This is a particularly large, so big. vaulted ceiling. This is a beautiful Like attic. I said, it's so big, it's like, how is no one using this? Right. Like, it's like another house. Right. Like, it's, like, it's so big. It's so big. And the other thing is, sometimes people say, if you look at the front of the house, it's flat. That top part on the front is actually a facade. There is a an arched roof okay. on the house. If you actually look in an aerial view... From the front, you can't tell because there's like this facade of course, that covers Google it. Google maps this house. Of and course, all this. I know this. Yeah. First, this is what this is what's wrong with me, folks. Yeah. You want to boil it down? Uh, it's too much full part, house well, knowledge. This is part of your investigating the steps, probably that you've like gone <laughs> by d- d- taking deeper steps. Maybe like, quite. what if we did an aerial view to see if we could <laughs> find any insights here? But either way, even if there is an attic in this house, I guarantee you it's probably like a five foot high like crawl space. Right. It ain't a fucking apartment. It's like they lived in a gothic cathedral or Seriously. something. Like, what is this? Good lord. Lord should be hanging out there. Now, there's some serious episodes. Here's one of them. The Slumber Party episode. This is where Stephanie uh, is part of her honeybee tribe, I believe it is, or something with school. Like the Girl Scouts kind of thing? Yeah. She's supposed to go to um, a mother-daughter slumber party. Ah, uh, yes. Joey, like, totally trying to help. Like, he really means... He's like, I'll just go with you. I'm goofy. I can do this. I'll be the mom. He gets there, and, like, it's a disaster, because he can't, like... There's a high heels race. It's playing with Barbie. It's like, he can't. He doesn't know what to do. Doesn't he try, though? He, like, does all the things. Like, and I'm like... At this point, you almost want to cry, just because he's, like... He's literally, like, trying to do all the things. He's trying to help, right? Yeah. He doesn't care how stupid he looks. This is, like, for the kids, you know? It's forced... Yes, exactly. Stephanie? Steph, would you just stop and talk to me? There's nothing to talk about. I don't have a mother, and there's nothing you guys can say to change that. Right? See? But Stephanie goes home. She hates it. So who goes with her but DJ? Right. The heroic like DJ steps in. Now, if you're wondering why Becky didn't go... She was supposed to, but her car broke down like hours away. She was Uh, doing something. Becky was going to go. The fact that DJ steps in at that age is like very heroic. Yeah. She's like, I'll fucking do it, Steph. I don't care. I'll be the mom. Yep. So very touching. I know exactly how you feel. No, you don't. When you were eight, you got to go to the honeybee slumber party with mom. That doesn't mean I don't miss her just as much as you do. It's not fair. All those ghosts with their moms tonight were so happy. Why couldn't I be happy too? Steph, it's okay. You know, sometimes I look at other girls with their moms and feel the same way. Uh, Michelle joins preschool. That's where we meet, like, Aaron, who's, like, the bratty kid. Mm-hmm. Remember Aaron? Yeah. Miko Hughes. Um, there's that, episode- that kid's, like, in other stuff. He's in other stuff, yeah. 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 He's our age. It's yeah. weird. There's an episode where Joey... This is, like, Star Search Part 2, because they always give Joey, like, two episodes a season. <laughs> and they're, like, the same plots. Yeah. This is where he goes to Vegas to open for Wayne Newton. Mm-hmm. And he we meet his dad, Colonel Gladstone. Right. And he's like, Joseph, 
or whatever. It's, it's well, weird. I mean, that just seems like such a trope that his dad would be serious, yeah, because he's a comedian. They did build it in though that like he moved around a lot as a kid because of the military right, bit, yeah. so that's why he tried to be funny. So yeah, he I feel would like have they, friends. I feel like this was like a known fact by this point that he had a military upbringing. Mm-hmm. It was already known by here. Yeah. You're right, Dad. You, you saw my show? Yes, I did. You heard all those jokes I made about you. Some of them were actually funny. You laughed? I will. We get another serious episode, which is called Shape Up. This is where DJ wants to lose weight. This is like, mm. bo- she borders on bulimia here, I believe is the inference. This shit was effed up. I didn't like this as a kid. This bothered me. It's a very serious episode. Yeah. There's nothing funny about it. Yeah, like, this I'm, one's like messed up. I'm not even going to make jokes. We're, we're moving on. I just yeah. wanted to mention it. Danny dates a, a lady named Cindy for a little bit, and she has a son named Rusty, and he causes havoc. Is this the Lord Krang kid? No. <laughs> no, Lord, Lord Crane. Crane kid. Lord Crane kid is in season three. Oh, okay. Uh, I'm glad I forgot to mention Lord Crane kid. Yeah. So I'm always down for a good Lord Crane sound drop. So here you go. Thank you, Quinn, yes. for bringing that up. Well, I just thought I, I I feel like I remember the Lord Crane kid being somebody Danny was dating. <laughs> no, no, like, no. I know they look similar, yeah. like a blonde, like yeah. ruddy kid or whatever. But mm-hmm. no, it's um, it's a different kid. One of the bigger stories here of this season uh, is a guest appearance by. I don't know how I feel about this because in one way I kind of like it because it's funny. Mm-hmm. On the other way, it's just so ham fisted. Steve Urkel has joined Full House. Well, this is the typical. So. Back in the 90s, if you weren't there for whatever reason, yep. say you're younger and you're listening you're to this. You're born in the 2000s. Yeah. So a lot of times the networks would have these like weird nights where they would decide like every episode is a crossover episode. Yeah. Like for some reason. So like if they were in the same block, they would all like cross into each other's shit. Like yep. Michelle went to like something else too. Like yep. They like loaned everyone out. Michelle was on hanging with Mr. Cooper later. Yeah. Right. So they loaned everyone out for a night yep. and like Urkel is on Full House. They of course have him interact with Uncle Jesse because that's the big odd couple right exactly. and like it's like the whole thing Steve I, I can't help notice that you uh, walk like you still have the hanger on your shirt oh my thank you you're welcome Steve I'd like to help you because uh, quite frankly <laughs> you need help I'm sure he breaks something like it's just like the typical you know what he actually doesn't I don't think he's there to help Stephanie who had gotten glasses and he makes her feel better about it mm. he is Urkel yeah because DJ's friend, it's DJ's friend's cousin who's visiting from Chicago, so that's right. how he winds up right. here. That's the that's the anvilicious plot there, uh-huh. Quinn, you know? Biggest thing, though, in all seriousness, is Becky and Jesse's wedding. I remember this Classic. episode like it happened yesterday. I, I, I remember the whole, like, skydiving thing and an apple truck or whatever it Tomato. was. Tomato. Tomato truck. Tomato country. Those are my prized tomatoes you just squashed. Then they take like, a bus. Remember, yeah. Becky drives the bus. Yeah, it's like a whole thing. And, and we get to here for the first time not the last time jesse sing the song forever to becky a beach boy song by the way dennis now, is wilson this the song he would eventually take on tour to japan yeah okay yeah, yeah. forever if every word i said could make you laugh i'd talk forever so the Beach Boys rear their head, at least in song, in this uh, episode. <laughs> I mean, it's Jesse's wedding. He has to have the Beach Boys there. Of course. So after their wedding, the episode after, they get back from their honeymoon, and naturally, Jesse's going to move out and live with his new wife at her place. You know what the thing about this was at the time? Yeah. I remember this not even occurring to me, that they would, like, leave. And then when they start talking, here, yeah. talking about leaving, I'm like, what? Didn't occur like, to Michelle either. Yeah, well, a lot of I feel like a lot of viewers were 
probably the Michelle aid viewers like me were like, huh? Yeah. No, this is supposed to be a happy thing. Like, what What the heck? So Jesse basically does move to Becky's very briefly, right? Mm-hmm. Let's talk about this new home of ours, shall we? Let's regroup here and take a look. Now, uh, no offense, but uh, I think the motif here is a little on the girly side, if you will. <laughs> well, I am a girl. He gets all sad. Michelle gets all sad. Everyone misses him. Is this the one, Joe, where there's a moment where they put the wallpaper of the bunny oh. in the picture frame? Okay. And Fair then enough. like he like looks at it and he gets all sad and that's like why he decides to come back. <laughs> yes. But I, I, I got to say, though, I'm glad you brought that up. So even though he was living in the bunny room for yeah. the first couple years, I believe it's either this season or the last one. In canon, like he redoes the room so right. it doesn't have but the wallpaper, kept, but he, he kept one. He kept one square with the bunny on it so he would it. always remember. And then it comes into play in this episode. Like, yeah, like yeah. a year later. Right. Like it's like, what am I doing with my life? Like that kind of situation. Yes. He's like, we're moving back. So Becky talks to Danny. What happens? They move into the conveniently very spacious attic. <laughs> yeah, this attic that's, like, enormous. Yes. Come on, let's go home. We don't want to sleep in this attic, do we? Well, it's kind of nice, like our own apartment, you know? It's cozy and private, 1,300 square feet, fully insulated with complete plumbing hookups for a full bathroom. <laughs> Ideal for a young newlywed couple saving to buy their first home. And throughout uh, an episode or two, they converted into a livable apartment. It's like a studio apartment. Yeah, it is, yeah. basically. It do- yeah, it doesn't have a kitchen because they don't need one. Well, they can just go downstairs. They go downstairs, yeah. but it has a bathroom. Yeah. It has like a little uh, room that comes in handy later off the right. side, and it has like a living room, bedroom And area. honestly, for like a, mar- like a newlywed couple, this isn't a bad situation. No, like, it's honestly, not. it's cheap to live in. And, yeah, uh, I doubt they have to pay Danny much. Yeah. Right? Yeah, <laughs> Seriously. Yeah. yeah, it's cheap to live in. They're not, they don't have kids yet. It's yep. like, this is perfect. perfect. And, and they won't disturb anybody when they're, uh, you know, doing, doing their taxes. Doing their taxes, yeah. Exactly. What are they doing in there? Well, they're, um, they're doing their taxes. Are they going to do their taxes every night? For the first couple of months. (laughs) The name of this episode, just a bit of foreshadowing, Fuller House. Because they move and get it. Uh, anyway. I mean, it's just ultimately just adding one extra person in their in their gigantic, doesn't make sense house. Yeah, that's true. And Becky was there all the time anyway. Right, yeah. In the meantime, with the vacancy in Jesse's room, Joey moves out of the basement or garage and into Jesse's old into room. Into the money room. Yep, where he will stay. There's an episode where Joey has a sitcom pilot called Surf's Up. Frankie Avalon and Annette Funicello are on it. Way to go, Flip. You just cleared out all of our customers. Oh, sorry to be such a bummer, Frankie. Here, check out this letter. This will get you stoked. It's from the Beach Boys. They want you to be a part of their Hawaii show. It's horrible, first of all. This is Joey nonsense. Remember I told you, he gets two an episode, and it's always about his career. Two a a season, you mean? Yeah, two a season, and it's always his career, Mm because that's all they have. So it's supposed to turn into a cartoon, and that's the last we ever hear of it. Uh, DJ graduates junior high. Michelle graduates preschool. That's in one episode. Most importantly, though, after New Year's of 91, Danny got the shorter hair. Yes. This matters. I can't explain why, but I just it consider it like 90s Danny. Yeah. Like there's two sets of Danny. But and I feel this, like- is the, this is the phase two, old, a little older. I feel like wiser. he gets a little more sarcastic yeah. with the shorter yeah. hair, right? Yeah. 
But the actual most important thing is in the finale in May of 91, where we find out that Becky is having a baby. Yay! I don't care. I'm going to be right by your side 24 hours a day. Every time you turn around, I'm going to be there helping you, supporting you, whatever you need. That's really going to get on my nerves. (laughs) Is this a mood swing? Huh? Because I'm there for you. Watch, see? Hey, hi, babe. I'm there for you, babe. They were doing their taxes yeah, quick, man. Yeah. They did an early refund on that one. Yeah. Uh, let's move to season five, September of 91 to May of 92. Quinn, number eight. Damn. In the ratings. They are just moving on up. They were on fire in the yeah. early 90s. I mean, this is Full House Mania, Michelle Mania, you mm-hmm. know, all that stuff. But Stephanie was popular, too. Anyway, first things first, what to mention here is this is where the show moved out of TGIF. Right. And on to Tuesdays for the rest of its run. That okay. was this yeah, season. Yeah, this is like when they were like very premiere. Like yeah. they they were the anchor. Like, no, it's like you're, Them, you're, Roseanne. you're coming here because Full House is here. <laughs> right. Right. It's like, and then you might watch the shows afterwards. What else is on Tuesdays? Was Coach on Tuesdays at that time? Yes. Home but that was at like 1030. It was like after Roseanne. You mean 930. 930. Sorry. Yeah. And there was always like some weird shit on between Full House and Roseanne. They did that on purpose because yeah. they knew you'd be the Full House and Roseanne. So it's like, well, what can we shove like in here? Like some new thing. They weren't like sure about or Phenom something. or one yeah. of those shows. On an all new Full House, Dan moves in the middle of a midlife crisis. What are you doing here? I want you to have my baby. An all new Phenom. Okay, so Andrea Barber in this season joins the main cast now, so she's actually in the credits starting in season five. She was recurring up to then. Right. Now she's in every episode because she's in the main cast, right? The first episode reveals that not only are Jesse and Becky having a baby, they're having twins. <sighs> Oof. Now I this feels like let's have double the cousin Oliver in this show. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't even think of it like yeah. that, but you're right. Danny's hair continues to get shorter and shorter. <laughs> I like how that's noted. <laughs> Michelle starts kindergarten. Uh, we also know her best friend Teddy. Yes, uh, Teddy Taj Maori, the younger brother of Tia and Tamara Maori. Right. You are a strange kid. Teddy was like I I remember him like a lot. Like he left an impact on me. I was like, oh, that's Michelle's friend. Very memorable, Teddy. Yeah. He had his own show, Smart Guy, I remember? Yeah. It wasn't good. That's, just let's stay on Full House, please. Stay on Full House. Uh, DJ is able to convince the men in the house, Danny, Joey, and Jesse, to please let her fucking get her own room because she's like 15 now. Yeah, she's a teenager. She's in high school. Right. Like, what is this? Let's get Michelle in with Steph. And guess what? That actually happens. In conclusion, I've paid my dues and I deserve my own room. If there's any justice in this world, then you'll set me free. She's right. She's that was right. A, that was like a good call. So DJ gets Michelle's room, but you know what I like? And now it? she can exercise in the opening or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> in like the other room. Thank you. Um, you know what I like about when Michelle moves in? There's some kind of unspoken like bed seniority because Stephanie. Yes, it's real. Like right? Stephanie moves to the DJ side. Yeah, like the elder, the, the, like, the elder side of the room. Is it because you're next to the closet or something? Like, what do you think the parameters are? Quinn? I don't know. Is it just because maybe the bed they reused DJ's bed, which was like bigger ish? I don't know how that. I works. don't know like why, but I like the fact that they did that. I yes. always liked that. You know what I now, mean? What I always found about DJ's like redecoration of the room, it mm-hmm. looked like an older kids room like it, it didn't even look like a kids room it just looked like an adult's room it looked like a teen or an adult's room yeah absolutely yeah, like I, I always loved the redesign of her bedroom i was like this is good yeah i totally agree with you i think it, it, looks it, really it also good. felt like it was one of those things come from an aesthetic it felt like oh dj's not really a kid anymore right because this is also back in the day where i don't know if you've ever seen these videos it's like why did people look older when they yeah, were yeah. like that kind of she like dj 
there was like this point where she just didn't look like a kid anymore. Yeah, she looked like she, a teenager. She she either she looked like she could pass as like a young twenty year old. You think so? Like there was like a like just a shift in her overall look. Okay. Like I don't know what it was. Okay. Fair enough. So this season is where they very quietly just in passing mentioned that Jesse and Joey are not doing advertising anymore. Joey's gonna go full time back to comedy mm-hmm. and Jesse's gonna go pursue the music career full time. Yep. But Joey does land a job as Ranger Joe. Um, Here we go. Ranger Joe with the Woodchuck guy and all this. Yes, Mr. Woodchuck. Mr. Woodchuck, uh, Merle the Squirrel lives here in the Enchanted Treehouse. How would you like living there? Well, I have been looking to branch out. Incidentally, it was Barney Martin that was Ranger Roy, who Joey replaced uh, Barney Martin, obviously, Morty Seinfeld. Lampstone, you're the man I've been looking for. There you go. Very lovable character. And then he went and retired and, and moved he, to Del, 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 Del Boca Vista. Del Bica Visto? Yeah, 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 yeah <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um, we also meet someone who becomes a little important later, Denise Frazier, very briefly in a Ranger Joe episode. Hi, my name is Michelle. My name is Denise. Do you like boys? Nah, boys are gross. There's a serious episode about Alzheimer's involving Whitman Mayo, who was an elderly uh, Eddie on the show. Whitman Mayo was the actor who was on Sanford and Son. But anyway, mm-hmm. remember that one, the Alzheimer's one, where I DJ volunteers at a nursing home? I don't and, remember this at all. Okay, I'll drop in a clip. Most of the time, I'm fine. But every now and then they say that my mind sort of drifts off. But I always find my way back. Are you going to be all right? Hey, come on! Eddie Johnson's a fighter! And of course, uh, Becky and Jesse's twins are born on Michelle's birthday. Yeah, there why you go. wouldn't they be? Because well, we gotta have a funny, right? Right, and Danny's in a, a Dino costume <laughs> from Flintstones. Remember <laughs> yes, the yep. whole fucking deal? It's all like it's a whole thing. I, I'm in labor and blah blah blah. Yep. And, and Jesse also has to get his appendix out while dressed as Fred Flintstone, because of course he does. The whole like birth is like a fucking comedy incident. Is like, it necessary to you? Like did, why do they always have to like hijinks all these events? I think up? I think it's it's to tie in with the fact that when they got married, it was a whole incident. That's stupid. Like so, it's like when they have every life moment in the in the Jesse Rebecca saga is like a whole like comedy incident. But this isn't what real life is like. But I guess I said earlier that's the point, right? Well, they they can tell a fun story to Nikki and Alex when they get older. That's I true. Guess. Yes, they name their kids Nikki and Alex. Nikki after Jesse's dad. Mm-hmm. Alex after Becky's like professor or something. It's like it's weird. Stupid. Um, <laughs> we also meet Becky's fill in. Yes. While she's on maternity leave, this for is so. San this is very. This is a very major thing. Vicky Larson. You uh, you won an Emmy. Well, actually, I won two of them in D.C. for investigative reporting. I, I thought you said you never did a talk show before. That's true, but I anchored the evening news for five years. <laughs> <laughs> Why didn't you uh, tell me that? Because you never stopped talking. So Vicky ends up. She's got like brown curly hair and she's very pretty and i gotta say they very quickly like integrated her into this show like she was just like part of this show now she's played by gail edwards by the way for the record yeah she becomes part of the show because of later things i always was like mad at them for integrating her yeah like uh, because as a kid i became very attached to her i'm with i I was like vicky i was like oh she's definitely gonna be like their new mom 
Like, there's Good. no way, right? I like, I'm a big fan of like, Vicky. Yeah. Very likable. Uh-huh. Very nice but we'll lady. see where this goes. Let's see where it goes. There's the semi-serious episode um, where Stephanie has a huge crush on Tommy Page, who was a teen idol at the time, <laughs> very briefly. Exactly. <laughs> DJ gets her permit, learns to drive. That's the plot point of an episode. Mm-hmm. And she's growing up. Yep. And uh, we meet a date of DJs just one time this season, a date uh, where they go to the movies, they sneak in. Steve Peters, his name is. <laughs> Steve Peters. So we'll talk about Steve later. That's Steve. Steve. Steve, hi. Hi, Vec. You look great. Thanks. Well, it's nice to see you. What are you doing here? Didn't you get my note about going to the movies? Also, a monkey appears with Danny's phantom sister, Wendy. We don't need to talk about that. Phantom sister? Yeah, like he... They never mentioned him having a sister. All of a sudden, he's got a sister. You know (laughs) what I mean? And in the two-part finale of season five... Danny lets DJ agrees to let DJ go on a summer trip to Spain, so we know what she's doing this upcoming summer. Okay, DJ, what do you want? How much is going to cost me? And why is the dog wearing a hat? Jesse, meanwhile, lands a record deal with Fat Fish Records. <laughs> the song in question, Forever. Forever. Fat Fish wants to remix it into like a dance rap song and they yep. do like a video where Jesse's wearing the weird pants and he's yes. rapping and it's uncomfortable. But then the Beach Boys appear in this episode. <laughs> it's a finale, Joe. I told you. They're always here. Just never de- never sleep on the Beach Boys appearing in this show. We can record forever? Sure, as long as Becky keeps cooking up food like this. Oh, well, I'll give you the phone number. I mean, recipe. Listen, I like a lot of their music, but if there's one thing I don't want to see. It's Mike Love's, like, stupid mugging for the camera face in these <laughs> Full House episodes. His dumb hat. He, Just shut up. This is, like, partially a vehicle for the Beach Boys. I know. Hey. I know. You're yeah. right, though. It is, because of John Stamos. But anyway, we get um, Jesse is able to work it all out, and they do the real song the way he wanted to, and that's where we get the actual music video of it. <laughs> Introduced, of course, by your cousin, Martha Quinn. Yes, Martha Quinn. She is... As Martha Quinn on this episode. Right, she's not what she is later. It's she, different. She's just yeah. regular Martha Quinn. I'm Martha Quinn, and welcome to Out of the Blue, where we feature new artists you've never heard of and may never hear of again. But you might hear me again, right? Well, you know, it's not up to me. It's up to you out there. And this nervous gentleman sitting next to me is Jesse Kutsopoulos from the hot new Bay Area band, Jesse and the Rippers. Hey, I'm Jesse. Hi. Hi, why don't you use that right there, that camera? Oh, I thought maybe you want to cut to the close-up camera because, you know, I'm having a good hair day and everything. (laughs) Between seasons, after season five ended, before season six started, Jeff Franklin, the producer, the creator, all that, he stepped away from the show to focus on hanging with Mr. Cooper. I'm not going to lie, I just want to, just a side thing. I think Hanging with Mr. Cooper was kind of underrated in the 90s. I really enjoyed it. Pretty good show. I like really enjoyed it, to be quite honest. I can't, and it it almost saddens me that people kind of just like, it seems forgotten. They write it off, maybe. Yeah, like it's like, I I remember the whole Mark and Vanessa and the, like, and then the, when the cousin moved in or whoever. Like, (laughs) I know you mean. Like, it was on for like four or five seasons. Yeah, Yeah, it was like, I I knew everything that was going on in in, in his cool ass room that he had. Yeah, I like Like, that. I was like, damn, like this show rules. Like, well, nobody talks about this. You were hanging with Mr. Cooper. Oh, I was hanging every week. (laughs) Like, we're Mark's roommates. I'm Vanessa and that's Robin. Nice to see you. Nice to see you. Listen, thanks for uh, letting Michelle come over. She feels real bad about what happened today. I really do. Oh, now don't you worry. Mr. Cooper's going to feel much better once he sees you. 
Now, don't be so sure about that. <laughs> hey, listen, Munchkin, I'll be back in two hours, okay? I'm going to get my hair cut. Oh, I like your hair like that. Really? Well, thanks. It's, uh, you know, trying a new thing. I got this kind of avocado moose gel thing kind of happening, you know? Season six of Full House is where, in my opinion, this is where the show starts to slightly change. Um, and I can't, I've never been able to put my finger on it. It might just be where it becomes a 90s show instead of an outgrowth of the 80s. Maybe. I don't know how to describe it. Like, there's three more seasons left, six, seven, and eight. Now it feels like the 90s, full on. Well, I can't really explain that. A lot of girls and overalls and... Um, yeah, like, right, right. Like, 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 the aesthetic changes. Like, a lot of DJ. Like, a, a lot, lot of DJ A lot plots. of, like, hey, we're in high school now. Yeah. Like, you know, like that. You're totally right. Maybe that's what it is. Yeah. Uh, so this is September 92 to May of 93. Number 10 in the ratings, still doing good. Went down two spots, but still damn good. Number top ten. Yeah, it's 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 like perfectly healthy. <laughs> That's like, really good. Yeah, at this point in the run. So to kick it off, a uh, DJ returns from Spain, attached at the hip to Steve. Mm-hmm. Remember Steve? So, uh, you guys all came in one car. <laughs> Steve in his always Letterman coat that he always wears. Yep. He uh, his last name changes to Steve Hale. Not that anyone gives a fuck never what his last knew, name. I is. never even knew he had a last name. Exactly. All I knew is he ate their food a lot. He ate their food a lot, including in the intro yeah. when he's in the credits. Uh, so that was like the joke, Danny. <laughs> you always eat my food. Yep. Like and then they just put it in the opening. It's real. <laughs> um, Scott Weinger is who played Steve. He would go on to voice uh, Aladdin. That's his Which most famous thing that he ever funny did. Besides for this. a later reason. Correct. Yeah, <laughs> intentional. Yeah. In this episode. Stephanie and Michelle accidentally fly to New Zealand, which is totally realistic. And it's just happened. like Home Alone, Joe. Just like Home Alone. Michelle, who is now in first grade, has to say goodbye to Teddy, who is moving to Amarillo, Texas. This episode was so sad. I was so, like, devastated by this shit. I was like, what? It is sad. Teddy's her best friend. This is messed up. Now he's got to go live with Terry Funk yeah, in Amarillo. Yeah, he's got to go live in Texas. Double Cross Ranch. But who transfers into her class at the very end? Remember Denise from Ranger Joe? Yeah. Now we I love Denise. Are you fucking kidding me? I know, but I just we got Teddy and he was good. Yeah, but Journey Small, come on, man. She's awesome. I guess. She's great. She would also be on Friday Night Lights. Would she? Hell yeah. Oh, I know who you're yeah. As an okay. adult? Yes, yes, yes. I know who you're talking about. Yes. Okay. Denise is good. Denise is Denise great. Is all, you're right. Denise I like is her all better right. than Teddy. I don't like Taj Mowry's acting. Yeah, but Teddy was like snarky. I liked him. Like Denise is snarky. Yeah, Denise is more snarky. But still, I don't know. Teddy had the perfect balance. He was good. L- folks, let us know who you prefer. Is it Teddy? Is it Denise? Of Michelle's friends. Of Michelle's two friends. Hi, Michelle. Hi. You want to share lunches today? No, thank you. I got a bologna sandwich. I have tuna. I don't think that goes with bologna. <laughs> I got potato chips. What kind? Sour cream and onion. Really? Sure. What would I lie about potato chips? Guess what happens for Uncle Jesse, though, Quinn? Mm. Forever reaches number one in Japan. Yes. This. <laughs> <laughs> you guys aren't going to believe this. My song is number one in Japan. Got God, it. this episode. Oh, my goodness. Jesse We're, gets all sucked into the stardom in Japan, remember? And, and then, like, there's, like, what is this? Like, there's, like, a phone call or a letter or something from Michelle, and it, like, gets him to come home, or it's, like, something like that. Well, no, Becky Becky talks sense to him, and then he comes home, yes. Right. Yes. But, uh, 
the, the, just the trope of like, yeah, it's big in Japan. Yeah. You know what I mean? So we get to hear that song again for the last time. I think I you think. get to hear it a lot in, yeah. that, in that, just that episode. I think you hear it twice yeah. in the episode. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Joey, meanwhile, is fired from Ranger Joe, but that's devastating, by the way. That was like, his, that's sad. For like that, that, in during that Full House Prime era, that was like, his job. That was like, <laughs> with the with the you know he always did the thing with the woodchuck. Yes, he did. In case you're wondering what that show was, by the way, it's explained on the show. All it is is like basically King Koopa's cool cartoons. It's like wraparounds <laughs> with with cartoons. Yeah. So he's got to probably do like ten minutes of work. It's a, you it's know, a good it, gig. It's a good gig. Um. So he's fired from that. Jesse's forever is now off the charts by that point, and they improbably land a radio gig. Just casually, like, we're going to be the Rush Hour Renegade. No, Rush Hour Renegade. Renegade. That was like that was like the new wake up. Like that's the second half of the show's wake up. So, are you interested? Yeah, this should be perfect. This should be great. Uh, You know, I'll program my own music, maybe play some live stuff. I'll tell you something. Monday, I'm going to be right here in this chair. Fine, as long as Joey is right next to you. You don't just no radio (laughs) experience for either of them. Yeah, you but, don't just land this, and then they suddenly know what to do and how to run a show, and like, well, Je- well, Joey's does stand up, so I feel like that's like a natural like transition to just on the spot do stuff, like right. That's a real on the spot dice spin, though. And Jesse Quinn. knows the Jesse knows the audio. It's like this show, Joe. <sighs> Shut up, Quinn. <laughs> <laughs> just saying. There is a serious episode though. We find out Jesse was a high school dropout. Oh yeah, this whole thing. And he's gonna go back to night school. This was like. I wanted to shed a tear when he like did you like when he like went for it because I was just like come on Jesse like do it <laughs> like, remember everyone was rooting for him and shit yeah, they were it was like a whole thing and it becomes an arc he, he yeah. goes back to school throughout the rest of the season uh, Nikki and Alex by the way are now played by two year olds they've advanced their age a little bit I but didn't n- like this because <laughs> all they did was like hey let's make them the age when Michelle was real cute yeah and then have them like say goofy shit. Uh, Dylan and Blake Toomey Wilhoit are who play the twins here. They have like the big shaggy hair and I they're my least favorite characters that were regulars on the show. You ever felt felt like Nikki and Alex were a little too much like breaking the fourth wall being ironic that Michelle was played by twins but they were like twins on the show. Yeah, like I, like, I, I, I didn't I never liked that. It, it's very jump the shark type moment but it yeah. didn't but it could have. It's like see we know you know that the girl who plays yeah. Michelle is is twins but you can't see the, them both at the same time. I totally agree. And they even did some shit like that too. Like, what's that time they went to like Greece or something? And like the was yeah. like the cousin that was also like just they got the Molina. both Olsons were like on the screen at the Th- same time. That's true. There's a couple of episodes. That's one of them. There's one in season five. There's the the last episode where uh, Mary Kate and Ashley are both on screen at the same time. That's intentional. That's right. like a wink to the audience. Mm-hmm. Like ha ha. Yeah ha ha ha. Daniel Fischel makes a couple of appearances as one of the Jennifers, one of Stephanie's friends in this season, right before Boy Meets World. Right. So, did you see Arsenio last night? I was asleep. I mean, I fell asleep from barking so much. (laughs) (laughs) There's another serious episode that deals with uh, child abuse with Stephanie's classmate, Charles. Mm. And she finds out through, like, doing a group project with him that his dad hits him and Jesse, like, gets all involved and stuff there's this kid in my class charles his father hits him bad he really hurts him uncle jesse are you sure steph positive very heavy very heavy for full house full house a little much for them i am john stamos and i'm jody sweeten child abuse cannot be ignored 
If you're in trouble or you know someone in trouble or you just need to talk, then you can call the Child Help National Child Abuse Hotline at 1-800-4-A-CHILD, seven days a week, 24 hours a day. Well, let's lighten it up. This is also where we meet, uh, meet Vicky's mom, Liz Larson, who's an interior designer, and she takes it upon herself to completely redecorate and redesign the girls' room. Right. Stephanie and Michelle. So remember, it changes from like the red-ish classic motif to like this greenish, like more modern and cool yeah. Yeah. for the rest of the run. That's where this happens. Mrs. Larson, it's beautiful. Thank you so much. Oh, you're welcome, darling. Mom, it's... Stunning! Danny, isn't it stunning? I, I, I am stunned. <laughs> that seems like that character is an excuse to change the room's layout because... Yes. Remember, Danny's, remember. Gotta, Danny's always got to sit on that bed in every episode, so it's like very important that we like know what the room looks like. <laughs> you know it's important because it's every episode. It's true. And now there's no more pencil bed. Yeah. DJ and Steve are together despite Danny's protest. He's very much against it, has a hard time accepting that DJ could possibly be in love until he realizes that he himself is in love with Vicky. There you go. So that's good. I love Steve, and he loves me. What? (laughs) You're 15 years old. You're not in love. I love you. Oh, Danny, I love you too. You do? This is all going on the trajectory that I planned in my head canon Love while it. I was watching the show. I'm like, Vicky, Vicky, Vicky. It's like, Slow this burn is, is going to be, this is the girl for Danny. Like, 100%. here we go. It's perfect, right? Yep. They work together, all this shit. Yep. Your cousin uh, makes a return, Quinn, for a couple of episodes. Right. As Allison the Axe Axelrod, the new program de- director at KFLH. I'm Allison Axelrod. Joy Gladstone. Hi. Hi. And you must be Jesse. Yeah, I must be. She comes to their house for dinner in one of the episodes, and Joey tries to date her. It doesn't have anything to do with you. I just came off a bad relationship, and I just need a little more time. This is so weird. I watch this with my dad, and it's just very strange. Like like this, this like I I have distinct memories of this shit. Watching that one with your dad, yeah, cute. He's like, "That's your cousin." Like (laughs) the whole time, your cousin Michael. Yeah. There's an episode where Michelle knocks over a dinosaur in a museum. They knocked over a priceless dinosaur! Oh, come on, it's not priceless. They said it was only worth about, like, like four million bucks. Jesse graduate high school in a subway. Remember? Because, like, the subway breaks down, so he has to, like... Remember, life moment for Jesse or Rebecca. It always has to, like, right? some shit happens. Some shit goes wrong. Everything else goes, get a job, no problem. Yeah, but it's, if it's, like, the life event, yeah. graduation, right. getting married, having children, right. like, a, a huge, <laughs> huge incident. Me? Trouble? Come on. I'm just gonna go up there and get some answers in a nice, calm, orderly fashion. Hey, you were the conductor head! Drop that donut! DJ goes to Steve's prom with him, his senior prom. Ooh. Ooh. Which uh, Jesse and the Rippers play at, of course. Of course they do. Oh, hey, Jesse. You know, it's really nice of you and your band to play at the prom. Oh, that's right, Kimball. Oh, and one more thing, Mr. Moldy Oldies. I made a list of the songs that people who are still young like to hear. There's a bit of drama because DJ and Steve into a big fight because of Steve's ex-girlfriend, Rachel Taylor, and then their king prom king and queen it doesn't matter bottom line is everything works out and jesse and the rippers play um i will always love you in the finale because abc uh, was being wooed by or possibly even owned by disney at this point oh god this yes 
It's the house meets the mouse, a uh, one-hour finale. Where- so this is part, Joe. Yes, is, this is part of like every single sitcom on the show went to Disney, yeah, like, or on the on, on the, the network, network went to Disney World. Roseanne, this is like reluctantly. Yeah, so this is Full House's turn. <sighs> but the full, I I felt the Full House one was the one that made the most sense. It is of all of them. Like I had this didn't seem out of place or anything. Well, here's yeah because basically Jesse and Joey are sent by the radio station to do a remote in Disney World. Right. Jesse obviously takes Becky. Since Wake Up San Francisco is in reruns, which when the fuck are they ever in reruns? It's a morning news show. I don't... That doesn't make any sense. That's reruns. Danny's like, well, fuck it. It's a summer break, even though it's May. Let's take the whole family. Right. This seems like something you would do with your kids. Like, you know what I mean? Go to Disney? Yes. So, like... Honestly, this is why I felt like Full House was like the best candidate. I hate that they like made everyone else go. Well, like Rose, the Connors wouldn't fucking go to Disney World. No, maybe Disneyland. Even, even if they did win a contest or whatever the fuck got them there, yeah. there wouldn't they? They would just go somewhere else. Yeah, they wouldn't the Connors. Go there. Like, yeah, they don't do that shit. But the they t- wanted they wanted to have the laughs where it's like, let's have Darlene, the big like emo girl in Disney World. That'll be funny. <laughs> exactly. Right, like that shit. You're right. So within the plot of going to Disney World, Michelle's an asshole the entire time. Stephanie gets upset because Michelle keeps getting her way and Steph doesn't. Michelle winds up getting lost. And she had, remember, usurped Stephanie for the princess for the day. She cut in line. Steve is not here and DJ really misses him. So she keeps (laughs) seeing various people as Steve, like Prince Charming and blah, blah. What is the notable one? Aladdin, of yes. course. So there's a there's a scene where she's watching like a live action yeah. something or other. Yeah. And Steve's Aladdin. Yes, of course he is. Go figure, right? But then the real Steve does arrive. And yes. it's like the, the nice moment until he trips on his bag when they're going to run <laughs> to each other. It's funny. Jesse and Joey are doing the radio show underwater. Meanwhile, Danny has been trying to ask Vicky a question the entire fucking time. Mm-hmm. But before we even get to that, this is allegedly... Becky and Jesse's anniversary, and she's very annoyed that they can't celebrate it together. I would like to remind everyone they got married on Valentine's Day, and this takes place in May, so I don't know what the fuck anniversary it is. Just don't worry about it, Joe. Okay, sorry. Maybe they had the ceremony oh. like a, a couple months earlier, and then they went to the Justice of the Peace it, or whatever to like officially. Maybe it's the first time they did their taxes. Oh, you think it's the taxes? Why would they wait that long, though? No, I... After I, their... I, who said they waited? Yeah, but if they were married in Valentine's Day... They stayed Day, overnight they, in Tahoe, Quinn. A couple okay. years earlier. You don't know. Oh, oh, don't that anniversary. That- <laughs> you mean not even like the wedding? I don't mean oh, the okay. Oh, okay. Ooh. I was like, what are you talking about? I see. By the way, Jesse and the Rippers, of course, have a gig at Disney World. Why wouldn't they? Of the- course, it's easy to get a gig at Disney World and well, play. They're, they're the world famous Jesse and the Rippers, big in Japan, remember? <laughs> Playing fucking 50s music, I yeah. want to remind everyone. Yeah. <laughs> so edgy and cool. Yeah. But in the midst of all of this, Danny finally figures out a way. He talks to a fireworks guy, I'm assuming. I remember they this. Say. They're on like a bridge and there's fireworks. And, and one of the fireworks says is, Vicky, will you marry me? Yes. And she says, yes. Okay. Will you marry me? Oh, Danny. Yes. Yes, I'll marry you. So this, again... All on the trajectory. I was like, yes! And like, I was like, all ready for this, <laughs> yep. right? Like, this, I was so fucking on board with this Vicky shit, right? I know I, you like, were into it, man. I really, really was like convinced that like maybe even like the end of the show 
would be them getting married. Right. Like something like that. Well, season seven, uh, September 93 to May of 94, certainly seemed like it could have been the last one. Uh, 16, we're starting to slide, but still top 20 is good. It opened with a dopey episode where like the girls come back from camp and they're all sad. It's like, why is DJ in camp? She wouldn't be. Well, DJ, like that DJ Well, maybe she's a counselor in training. She was. They have those programs. No, she would be Steve too. Like Kimmy, come on now. Mm -hmm. Um, I know you have your own fixation with camp. Camp Glenn, is great. We'll don't, save that don't, for another don't, time. Don't crap on camp. Well, Full House is camp, yeah, I guess, yeah. in its own right. Steve gets his own apartment. Remember, he's in college, so... Oh, right, because he's like a year older or whatever. Yeah. But DJ accidentally falls asleep on the couch there. Danny sees them because he's standing on a chair. Right. Yep, yep. Hijinks ensues. Dad, I'm so sorry. We were watching a movie and we fell asleep. It will never happen again. You're right. It will never happen again because you're not allowed over here anymore. This place is off limits from now on. Dad, that's totally unfair. Totally unfair? You want to know what's totally unfair? A parent who stays up half the night worrying about his daughter. That's unfair. Dad, you're blowing this way out of proportion. Way out of proportion? You see a SWAT team with me? You see helicopters circling the building? You see the bat signal out there? I don't. Okay, okay, Dad. I said I was sorry. And I said let's go. Michelle uh, sucks at soccer. That's one of the episodes. <laughs> There's a uh, that's so nothing. <laughs> I know. There's a serious episode where Stephanie, who is now in junior high herself, right. she gets pressured to start smoking. Yes. By the who's this chick? This girl that she's friends with, who's like well, there's two of them. So her, always with the suspenders on. I I just don't. I'm just her, trying to think. Her initial friend is Mickey. Mickey. But then also the the bad girl is Gia. Gia. Marla Sokolov. Okay, yeah. Always with the, the suspender 90s thing going. She is sarcastic and she yeah. is she is spunky. Sassy. Yeah. I like her. A lot of spunk. A lot of spunk. Uh, I better not. How come? I- I'm trying to quit. <laughs> you should have seen my last chest x-ray. <laughs> Sixth graders are terminally pathetic. Jesse improbably inherits the Smash Club from its previous owner. You remember a cat named Buzz Markle? He left me the Smash Club. Wow. I, I totally forgot about the Smash Club. Till you, when you say the Smash Club, good Lord. Because the amount of times they said the words Smash Club yeah. in this show, like after this came about, is the, insane. Now, I want to be clear, folks. The Smash Club was not like, it did not originate with Jesse. It's there in season one. Yeah, he like inherited. I remember this. Yeah, like, he inherited it from um, the guy that owned it. But, but I felt like every other episode was, hey, let's go to the Smash Club. Yeah. Teen night at the Smash yeah, Club. during like, the Jesse era. Right, like it was like, he, he, it started to become like the Max or some shit. Well, like, being the very uh, forward-thinking business owner that he was, he's right. like, there's no alcohol at this club. <laughs> the fuck, man? Coffee? Yeah. I don't want to go to coffee at night. Because he didn't want to pay for the, probably the alcohol license. <laughs> <laughs> but wouldn't it's you a think that Buzz Markham or whatever inherited it and mm-hmm. inherited the... Uh, oh, maybe he inherited like maybe. I don't know how it works in California. Maybe yeah, you don't, don't even have to that. do that. That's true. Uh, ben Stymix cameo in this uh season when the episode where the smash club opens he's got like a ponytail on purpose miss remember me the cappuccino and the sticky bun he ordered the cappuccino and a sticky bun anyway we meet mrs carruthers the uh, the wonderful martial uh, yes uh edna kerbapel she's like to me the marking point of this show's about to end <laughs> <laughs> she's only in the last two seasons yeah so you're she, right about she that. is very much like i just remember something with a bicycle i don't know yes yeah, so that's the first episode where michelle's bike gets 
stolen and so all the guys look for one and they all wind up bringing the same bike back but none of them are Michelle's and then one of the kids dads comes and he's a big guy but he likes ice cream and uh, Kimmy and Miss Carruthers are part of the neighborhood crime catchers I believe you know Mrs. Carruthers our fearless leader hi Eddie citizens <laughs> Deputy Gibber and I just picked up a 614 on the police scanner for you civilians that's a bicycle theft now I'm going to need a little bit of information your name Gibbler, you know my name. This will be a whole lot easier if you'll just cooperate. Now, do you wear a hairpiece? What does that have to do with a stolen bike? Nothing. I've just always been curious. I hate it, Joe. This, I love it, Quinn. This is one of those episodes I hate. Like, I this, love this episode. This is one of those episodes that makes me sad because I can just see the show like leave, going well, downhill. Because like, we not- are far removed from the pressures of raising three girls yeah. with, a, with a widower. We're, right? just, we're just living on like everything's good, right? It's like this yeah. is the, the biggest problem is somebody stole a bicycle. And now we I, have three bikes. Yeah. You're right, though. I mean, any Miller Boyette sitcom could have done this plot but this is indicative of like where the show is going to me and that's one of the things if i may break for a second here between a truly original unique sitcom and just eh, a run-of-the-mill is seinfeld nobody else could do those plots right and the seinfeld cast and writers could not do a standard sitcom plot this Miller Boyette, like these renter writers, I'm sorry, I know that's insulting, but you know what I mean. There's yeah. like 89 writers over the course of the show, right? Any of the Miller Boyette sitcoms could have step by step could have done this. Yeah, Family Matters could have done that's why this. Why the bike episode just is represent like yeah. just, it's always this like weird like inflection point of the show to me is the bike episode with Mrs. Carruthers and all this. I never thought of it, but I'm glad to have your more dour approach here with yeah. me today because it does help balance me out. It's the point at it's like the point of no return to me. Well, they did return, but you're right. Uh, Danny and Vicky, though, this is the fucking worst. They break up right around Christmas. This shit sucked. I can't ask you to give up your dream. So I guess I'm going to have to give up mine. Are you saying that it's over? Yeah, I guess I am. Right after the bike. Like, it's like, <laughs> oh no, Like everything's going crappy now. What's happening here? I will say this. At least it's realistic. She's pursuing her job to be a news anchor. I understand. And they offer her a job in New York, but I like it because they don't break up for some dumb reason. Yeah, and you it's know? like done like amicably because it's full house, but Danny was in within his rights to be really fucking pissed. He was more sad than anything. You know, yeah, I just mean it's like she really just like out of fucking nowhere this shit. Like it was like really like devastating. Well, they wanted to find a way to make it work, but he's like, I can't leave San yeah. Francisco. And she's like, I know, but this is my dream. Right. It's that's actually realistic. I understand. That life could happen just in real life. Came, came about. It was just like, I guess because like they had Danny dating other women and shit. It's not like he went through like. You know, like it wasn't like a normal full house thing where it was just so easy for him to just find a new wife. That's that's the thing, right? Like Joey dates all these people that you see one, not that many, but he dates a few people you see once, right? Right. But Danny had like a long term thing here. Yeah. So it just feels like, yeah, this like feels like it was it, right? Yeah. It almost felt like DJs could sense this. Oh, this is, this is the, this is, she's going to be my new mom. She's the one. Like she's the one. Like when DJs even kind of like in on it, the older, sassier one. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, <laughs> I know. Whatever. 
Uh, there's a very serious episode, probably the most notable serious one, which is where uh, Jesse's grandfather from Greece, Papuli, he comes in to visit by himself. We don't know what happened to Gina, his this wife. Is, this season was full of serious. <sighs> yeah. Sweetheart, this is, uh, this is not easy to say to you. Uh, this morning after you went to school, we uh, went to wake up Papuli. Michelle, he died in his sleep last night. What? He was, he was just, he was very old, and his heart gave out. No, he's not dead! And I gotta say, though, as someone that's lost both a grandfather and a father, they handle it really well. So what I they actually really do. What though. I like is that the youngest child takes it like the worst. Like, yeah, and, um, and Jesse, even though he tries to hide it. Yeah, but Michelle really like is oh, like God, devastated she's, she's by devastated. this shit. Uncle Jesse, is it okay to cry? You bet. Um, Man, this sucked. Just after Vicky, too. I know. What the hell? You gotta give Full House credit, though. At least it had balls to do this type of shit. I know, shit. but it feels like their life is falling apart here. Like, <laughs> like a real problem for yeah. once? I know. I really think it's... It's not something Danny can just talk on a, on a right. bed and fix it. Like, right. This is one where I absolutely, like, I think they did it well. Yeah. I really and truly do. And then not, not long after this, Quinn, DJ and Steve break up. Yeah, I'm telling you, like, this season, this season, It Joe, feels like they're just wrapping up the show, doesn't it? Yeah, it just, it's like, hey, let's, all these fucking horrible things are happening God. now. Did we just break up? Yeah, I think so. What's next? I guess we should, um, we should just head down and face the world. DJ and Steve's breakup is really out of nowhere. It's just like in one episode, DJ's like, we don't spend any, we were drifting apart. And it's just like, what? Honestly, this kind of weirdly, I didn't have as many problems with it only because it felt very natural because of the, co he was in the college and she wasn't. Yeah. They just never mentioned that. You're yeah. right though. But yeah. if they would have mentioned that more right. and leaned on that a little like bit it, more. It, it was like unrealistic just because of like how, yeah. like, like how. You know, just because of their age or whatever. I know what you mean. Did you like Steve, though? I found Steve to be a great character. Me, too. I loved him. I felt like he was, like, a part of the family. And what was surprising is how quickly yeah. he, like, just kind of, like, kind of just, like, merged into the show. And he it was, did. like, because it was, like, what I liked about Steve is, like, he was the alternate male voice. Yes. Of the, of the like, not the, not the three dads, like, yeah. saying shit. It was, like, some other guy. He was good. I, yeah. I thought he I thought he was great. Great character. Right. Teddy moves back to San Francisco Thank in this goodness. season. After all of this shit, Joe. Well, that's like, true. You need yeah. to pick me up, right? Yeah. Who better we, but Taj Maori? We need Teddy back. I got Snickles. <laughs> I like Snickles. There's only one left. Green? I don't know. Red's my favorite. <laughs> Denise, do you have anything better? All I have is my Princess Jasmine pencil case. That will go great with my Abu eraser. <laughs> Who said you could have this? 
Now Michelle thinks that she has to choose between these two, Denise and Teddy, before Danny is finally like, you can have two best friends. I do. Joey yeah. and Jesse. It's fine. It's right at our house. Like, don't you see it? Yeah. Like, <laughs> knock it the fuck off, yeah. you dope. Uh, Vanna White appears in a very bizarre SAT-related episode. Remember that one in DJ's yeah. Dream? Yeah. About the SATs and Vanna... Uh, well, that's just... That's some ABC canon shit. Yeah. And then little Richard appears in the PTA episode. <laughs> he tells Joey to shut up a real lot, well, remember? Is he friends with the Beach Boys, so... No, he's Denise's uncle. Now shut up, Joey! They're not cheering for you! Well, right up Jesse's alley to fifties rock and roll. Uh Uh-huh. And then in the season finale, everyone in the family suddenly, out of nowhere, after all these years, is getting very pissy about the lack of space in this very large house. Lack of what are they talking about? Despite it having multiple bathrooms now, suddenly for this one episode it only has one bathroom. (laughs) Even though Danny has one, there's a downstairs one that's implied anyway. There's the one in the hallway. Jesse and Becky have one. Invented issue called generic sitcom writing Quinn Joey even has like the good meta realization though he's like why do I still live here (laughs) (laughs) Joey you know honestly Joey has the biggest soul searching to do in my opinion yes and they do touch upon it only occasionally yeah it's like why is he here the girls can take care of themselves. One of them's in high school. Steph's in junior high. Like Michelle's not a baby anymore. The full time, like three guys to take care of these is not needed. Plus, you got Rebecca up there. Yeah, Dustin why are they Dustin, there? Yeah. St- maybe save well, money. That one made sense only because if he felt bad or whatever yeah. in the bunny picture. And like, <laughs> like so, but, but everyone contemplates moving out. This is what's so weird about it, right? The owner of Melville's from Cheers, he uh-huh. comes over and he's like, I want to buy the house. Lou Bond. What I grew weird up in person it. To I, know. The show. I forget the guy's real name, but that's him. Oh, this house has really changed. You're not kidding. I never had a strange man in it before. <laughs> Forgive me. The name is Bond. Lou Bond. <laughs> Here's what's so weird, right? He offers Danny twice what it's worth, right? So Jesse is like, Let's get our own place back. Mm-hmm. Joey's like, I'm going to move out. And Danny's like, I'm going to buy an even bigger house. Okay. So that problem solved. But but the problem is that the house is too small. Right. So Danny's like, I'll buy a bigger house. And everyone's like, yeah, and we'll all move out. So I don't Logic. know. I, I know it's dumb, but it's full house. Whoever yeah. wrote this, you didn't think about that. Yeah. Anyway, this is such a good plot that step-by-step step use it as their actual series finale in 1998, <laughs> where Lily, the youngest age advanced one, yeah. she's like, I don't want everyone to move. I have so many memories here. It's like, who are you? You just got memories. You're yeah. five. Yeah. <laughs> you mean so many you memories. You also advanced in age in like two seconds. Yeah, you're like one. You're yeah. technically one. Yeah. You heard him, Mr. Bun. We're not selling our house. Are we, Dad? Are we, Dad? Danny? No. Guys, don't worry. We're not moving. Mr. Bond, I think what everybody here is trying to tell you is there's no amount of money that would break up this family. Anyway, they don't move. And we got to move on to season eight. Thank you for still being with us here. We know this is uh, our TV show ones this tend is to like be longer. This like Wonder Years-esque Yeah, one. it's what happens. Season eight is perhaps the most unnecessary season. Like, it could have ended at seven. <laughs> they literally, like, had a like a, sh- a series finale that we just watched. They could have like, done They could have just, if they ended it with them leaving. Yeah, they could have. And then um, there's, like, I don't know, Danny's the last one to leave. And he's like, it was such a full house. And then he, like, closes, <laughs> you know, like... <laughs> Like, you know, you know how that would be. And they would have called it Empty House, that yeah. episode, right? 
It was a full house. Now it's an empty house. Door slams behind him. <laughs> yeah. Little flashback to like the bunny room and all that. Yeah, and, and Joey and Jesse moving in. Yeah. <laughs> God. Uh, anyway, September- <laughs> that would be the how that, that would, if that was the episode. That's how it would have been. Oh God, Quinn. Uh, September ninety four, May ninety five is the final season. Season eight. A little long in the tooth by this point for this show, but I was into it. Number 24, it still did pretty well. But you can see the writing's on the wall. It's like, okay, let's get out before we're like 70 again. Correct. <laughs> new credits for this last season. Everyone is now on location in San Francisco. Brand new shots. This is where Danny's walking up a road with groceries. Jesse is just doing this in his brown leather jacket. Joey's rollerblading. Remember right. this? Oh, yeah, yeah. It's only one season, so I they're not even as... like on the syndication, they like never play this one. Well, it's only like. one season yeah. worth, so you never really see them, but they are all new, all in San Francisco, and it even opens with a uh, a show that was shot on location, Comet's Big Adventure, where he gets lost. Remember oh, that God, one? we didn't even think to talk about Comet at well, all. Well, I was saving him for here, because okay. what the fuck? <laughs> Comet first appeared in 89, they got him. He yes. was the puppy of a dog named Minnie that wandered into the Tanner's backyard. Yes, Comet, you know, he, he, he actually, if you kind of think about it, he's one of the like, like non, thread. non-changing threads of this show. 89? Like, well, Comet's always here, yeah. like, right? We get to meet him as a puppy, and yeah. then he grows up to Comet. There's a myth, by the way, that he played um, the dog in Air Bud. No, he didn't. The dog that was Air Bud, Buddy the Wonder Dog, guest starred in Full House in that basketball episode with uh, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. I yes, see. that's a real thing that I just said. <laughs> it's upsetting that it, he also was a basketball something. That's a final season yeah. type of plot right there. Well, you're pretty pathetic, except when you stand right there. That's your sweet spot. I got a sweet spot? <laughs> Apparently. Anyway, DJ breaks up in the first episode with Nelson, who we didn't know, but apparently she dated him over the summer. He's a ri- very rich, like stupid rich. Like I have my own plane. This is this feels like the her in the wilderness after Steve. Like she's yeah. like, ah, just whoever. whoever. Like, like what the fuck? He's played by Jason Martson, who was um on Step by Step as Rich Halky. Oh, it's Rich, right? Remember who hates Dana, but then they wind up going out. Rich became an awesome character in that show. Uh, in, in the end. Let's not he, get carried away. I, I really, I hated him at first and then I loved him. He's okay. Uh, He's also a voice actor, Jason yeah. Martson. Yeah, he was good. He's okay. Meanwhile, the Rippers start getting pissed at Jesse because they're like, Jess, you own a club. Mm-hmm. You have a radio show. You have two kids. You live in this busy-ass house. We can never practice. You're not focusing on the band. You know what? We're voting you out of the band. Right. I remember. So. <laughs> Listen, this is the hardest thing we've ever had to do. Mm-hmm. But the guys and I, we took a vote, and we voted you out of the band. Uh, we find out that Jesse uh, was replaced by Greg Brady, of course, Barry Williams. All right, ladies and gentlemen, we're going we're gonna to hear the latest right now from Barry and the Rippers. Barry and the Rippers. That, that feels like something like so ridiculous that like it's on purpose, like just to like somebody so lame. Yeah, like, Barry Williams, who yeah. was not relevant really by '95. Uh-huh. Sorry, uh, Michelle goes to third grade. Stephanie's in seventh grade. DJ is now a senior, and the twins start preschool. In case you're wondering, Stephanie goes to a makeout party. <gasps> Doesn't make out though. Shouldn't we like talk or something first? Shh, Steph. This is not a talking party. If we don't start making out, everyone's going to think we're dorks. Remember the episode where Michelle buys a donkey? Uh, no. And Jesse can only keep it from making noise by singing the Three's Company theme song? Oh, I do remember that. That's yeah. realistic. Yeah. Come and knock on our door. <laughs> We've been waiting for you. <laughs> I got the thing and the stuff and the thing. Three's Company too. 
Jesse, though, does get a new band. He auditions <laughs> lead guitarist for it. Yep. It almost turns out to be Danny, remember? But some guy shows up at the last minute. His name is Viper. Wait, there's one more. Thanks, DJ. You remembered my name. Yeah, it's a great name. You think so? It's only two letters. <laughs> yeah, but if I tattoo it on my arm, it probably won't hurt that much. <laughs> well, you've already passed the pre-interview. Oh, sorry. Guys, this is Viper. Hey. Hey, I'm her father, Mildo. You can tattoo that on your... <laughs> and he thinks DJ's attractive. Oh, God, this whole Viper thing. But Jesse names the band... Hot Daddy and the Monkey Puppets. Yes. So this feels like a... I always felt like at the time this was like the Bare Naked Ladies or like something like that. You know what I'm saying? It's supposed like, to sound 90s and Very cool. 90s. Yeah. Like, oh, it's just so wacky, right? It's like everyone was... All the band names were like very wacky yeah. suddenly. And like and, and so like Jesse to play along with that. Let's name it something stupid. Hot Daddy and the Monkey Puppets. And for this band, by the way, he plays drums. He's not the guitarist anymore. He's a drummer. They do have a good song, though, that you get to hear, which I'll dump in. couple of serious episodes, Quinn. Stephanie's Wild Ride, where she and Gia meet some 10th graders that have their licenses. This Gia. This is what I mean. She's about, a I bad always, kid. I, But this is why I always interpret it as Stephanie as the bad girl of the three. Out of the three, I guess. Because, um, like, Gia, basically. Gia. Like, Kimmy was never this insane. No, she like, was just, like, dumb. Yeah. That's all it was. Yeah. She, like, copied DJ's homework and shit. Yeah. Uh, so Gia and Steph do some joyriding with these two teens. DJ finds out. Gets right. very pissed at Steph, but Steph's like, whatever. This is the episode where the family gets addicted to playing Super Nintendo. Never oh, mind. Really? It, it, last season is just <laughs> Last season. Also, Danny at some point starts to date um, Gia's mom, Claire. Remember? I remember that. Like, And maybe Gia will be good now or something. Yeah. Like, like she's, she's somewhat turned face. Yeah. Anyway, Stephanie, because of DJ, does not wind up going out one night. And we find out Gia did... And they were in a car accident, her and these two guys. So, well, there you go. There you go. Another serious episode is where DJ gets invited to a frat party. Brings Kimmy with her. Kimmy gets drunk. Kimmy, give me the keys. I think not. If you're making me leave, at least I can just drive home. Kimmy, you're in no condition to drive home. But if I walk, I might fall and hurt myself. DJ gives Kimmy a hard fucking time about it, and this is like, I do like the full circle reference. She's like, my mom died because of a drunk driver. Like, I'm right, not, right. you're not driving. Like, what the fuck is wrong mm-hmm. with you? You just can't admit you were jealous of me. You had to embarrass me and take my car keys like, like I'm some kind of child. Kimmy, you could barely walk. It's my life. What do you care? I'm sorry, I do care. My mom died because of a drunk driver. I wasn't going to lose my best friend the same way. I like this episode just because it, it was like a big, like, part of growing up episode. Like, yeah. And plus, we'd been through, like, everything with Kimmy and DJ at this point. Kimmy getting drunk felt like, 
like so natural. Like that's just like the, the <laughs> growing up experience, right? Of yes. like somebody gets too drunk once, and like that's just what happens. And that like for once they're not like goody two shoes. Yeah, you know that's like why I liked it. Absolutely. DJ at some point has to choose between Nelson, who tries to like do the comeback, and Viper, and like Frankie Valley of the Four Seasons helps. Excuse me. And sings in the park. I don't know. Uh, Becky yeah. becomes the producer of Wake Up San Francisco. Danny gets pissy. He briefly leaves, but he comes back. And then there is, of course, the episode where Michelle's feet are too big, and then there's the dream sequence where there's a giant foot. Quinn's face right now. This what is probably the, my least favorite episode I, ever. I hate all of this. You don't remember you don't remember that no. episode with Michelle's feet? I'm telling you, Mrs. Carruthers, once that happened, You've, I was very disenchanted with this show. You don't remember the giant foot episode, Quinn? I don't. Actually I do. It's not well, good. Or I haven't anything. thought about that in a long time, and that foot is terrible looking it's where michelle has to become a clown what the hell okay uh we're, we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna move on here. i think i need to watch that no now. you don't please <laughs> never there's a one more uh michelle he uh well he actually uh he meant stephanie because uh well because michelle was she was uh she was the younger sister in the uh hey get the fuck off the show gia a couple other people we don't know and kimmy form a band known as girl talk I remember that. And they play I Saw the Sign by yep, Ace of Base. I remember that. 90s. Remember they don't practice enough and Jesse's like, I fucking told you so. What yeah. are you doing? I saw the sign and it opened up my eyes. I saw the sign. Life's demanding without understanding. I saw the sign and it opened up my eyes. I saw the sign. Kimmy finally has a boyfriend, Dwayne, and his big line is whatever. So the last episode to be taped was all stood up, which is the second to last one to be aired. Okay. Mm -hmm. This is the one where Stephanie gets stood up and Danny like gets all mad and try like goes to the school and talks to the guy. <laughs> Meanwhile, Kimmy owns an ostrich that prevents Jesse from relaxing in the backyard. So he, the most Kimmy shit I've ever heard. Yeah, this is the most 1995 full house shit. Yeah. Right? What's this for? For being an involved loving father who sticks up for his daughter. Thanks, honey. But don't ever do it again. <laughs> so that's the last one to be taped, and that's where they did the um, their curtain call was after the credits of like that episode. The last one they were making. Right? Yeah, but the last one that aired. Uh, was the finale. It aired on May 23rd, 95. 24 million people watched it, and I was one of them. Yeah, I think I watched this too. I, I don't exactly remember how it ended, but I do remember, well, it's the last episode. I gotta watch it. Of right? course. So in this episode, there's some minor plots like Jesse and Joey do a pilot for a television show. Right. As, as wrestlers, they're gonna wrestle. Mm -hmm. So there's a little wrestling bit. DJ's looking all over the place for a prom date. Kimmy's trying to help her. Stephanie is trying to kiss this guy in a Romeo and Juliet scene, of course. Very sick. It's very jumbly for like, it is. like the last one. Like Miller Boy, they couldn't do better than this. They couldn't. Uh, Michelle, who now rides horses out of nowhere, <laughs> she falls off of said horse. Oh, I remember this. Michelle, oh. wake up! She fell off her horse! Michelle, don't move her. She hit her head. Oh my gosh! What happened? Is she okay? I don't know. Michelle, can you hear me, honey? Honey? Take her to the hospital. We find out that she's okay, but she doesn't remember anything. Doctor, what's going on here? She's completely out of it. Well, memory loss is very common with head injuries. Oh, my God. 
How long is it going to last? Well, usually it's just temporary. Usually? So what are we supposed to do? I mean, how does it get better? Look, for right now, the best thing you can do is treat Michelle as normally as possible. Uh, surround her with familiar things and go about your regular activities. So the remainder of the episode is spent kind of winking at the audience in a it's way. Like, we're going to tell you about this show that we made. Right. Full house. She's like, why do you all live here? Yeah. And at one point they do the, the final like callback. She's like, all right, so you're my dad. You're my, where's my mom? And they have and to that, like tell her all sad. They explain the whole show to, to Michelle. It's a full circle, man. Yeah. It's a full house. <laughs> you're my dad, right? Yeah, that's right. So where's my mom? Sorry, uh, but your mom died when you were just a little girl. So even if I do get better, I won't remember her? Well, Michelle, we'll tell you anything about her you want to know. Is she pretty? Oh, yeah, Michelle, she was very pretty. See, your mommy was my sister. And you know what? But making an appearance as the other Olsen twin, whichever one wasn't in it. And why do you remember everything? It's my job. I'm your memory. Where the heck have you been? I've been looking all over for you. I know. When we fell off the horse, I got scared. So I hid. I hope I didn't cause you any trouble. Duh! I've been walking around this house with an empty head and hugging people I hardly even know. And she gets her memory back. That's dumb. And it's a very... (laughs) (laughs) They might as well just got lost on an island again. I don't know. But the best part of this, after Michelle gets her memory back and everything is already happy, Mm -hmm. Kimmy's like, Deej, come on, it's prom. And she's like, I don't have a date. She's like, don't worry, I got somebody. And it's Steve. Yeah, I remember that. That's I I was waiting for it. Don't worry. I scrounged up another date for you. I'm afraid to ask. Come on, Deeds, let's get going. I don't want to miss the buffet. <laughs> Steve! <laughs> I missed you, Deej. I missed you so much. The heroic, like, That return. was, like, the best shit. <laughs> yeah. I was like, oh, then they're going to go live happily ever after. This is going to be great. They'll get married and start their own full house. Absolutely. Hey. Absolutely. And that's how the show ends. Right. I mean, you were here, sweetheart, but it was, it was like part of you was missing. So it was like part of all of us was missing. But we stuck it out and we got through it. Just like we always do. Just like we always will. The reason it was so hasty, by the way, is ABC only decided to cancel it in February of 95. When the cast was rehearsing for the finale. So they didn't even know if this would be it? They didn't know this would be the series finale, so they kind of... They were like, we think it might be, but we're not sure, so we can't make it, like, super final. Yeah. Like, just in case. Exactly. That's shitty, actually, because I'd rather know or not know, at least, so we could make a proper finale. Oh, I agree with you. Instead of Michelle's amnesia, so let's explain the whole show to her. That's what it was. Like, it's a recap episode. And it was canceled because it was too expensive at this point, and the ratings were going down. I gotta say, it was very glossy at this point. It was. It was, like, very, it looked very expensive, Douglas. It looked very expensive. 
So a ninth season was actually almost picked up by the WB network. I feel like this would have cheapened Full House if they shifted networks. I think so, too. It was too prestigious in comparison to Family Matters, which was just the Oracle show. Yeah, that and point. that went to CBS. It didn't go yeah. to... It didn't go to... The WB was new, is why we're calling it. Like, right. W is a very new network at this mm-hmm. point. But most of the cast said no. They're like, we, we're done. Yeah. We don't want to do this anymore. And they didn't. So that's how Full House ended. It has a bit of catchphrases, I guess, that we mentioned. But I guess we didn't mention Have Mercy, Jesse's big catchphrase. Have Mercy, you're in Um, trouble, mister. uh, Oh, my Lanta. Oh, God, that. How Rude was Stephanie's. Yeah, how rude. And also Pin a Rose on Your Nose, which is just really corny. What about Cut It Out? Oh, that was Joey. Why did Dave Coulier think that was good? I don't know. He would say it like every episode. (laughs) He said it on America's Funniest People also. Uh, Cut cut It it Out. out. Okay, it's great. Because that was his fucking thing. It's not funny. Cut it out. There was a mini Full House reunion on May 97, Bob Saget's last America's Funniest Home Videos. Mm-hmm. You're all here because my producers, I've worked for your producer, they used to pay me with shiny objects. <laughs> okay, Bob, we're all here for you, so what kind of videos do you have to intro? Oh. You know, I, I like the ones with uh, cats. Yeah, me too. Uh, we No, we, we don't have any uh, cats. The only missing people of course, were the Olsen twins. Um, this, but everyone else was there. This pissed me off so much. I'm sorry. Like, when they reunioned and, like, the Olsen's like, we're too good for this or whatever. And I'm just like, dude, nobody would give a shit about you two if it wasn't for this show. Like, what are you talking about? I know. They have the right to do what they want. I, I understand know, but that. It's, it's ever since they left... They have always acted like they are above this shit when they literally wouldn't exist if it wasn't for this. I mean, it's true. They have the right to do what they want and to say no to, but you would think, like, take one payday to give the fans one thing they want. Go support your two sisters over on the other show. Yeah, the Tanners, man. I thought you related or whatever. (laughs) Uh, Jimmy Fallon integrated Full House into two things. So... He had Jesse and the Rippers play on I remember episode that, yeah. in 2013 on Late Night. And then when he was getting ready to wrap up Late Night and move to The Tonight Show, they did a bit where he's in Michelle's room in the pencil bed. What's going on? Yeah, we just heard uh, some sad yet sappy heartwarming music. Is everything all right? Yeah, Jimmy's just a little scared about leaving Late Night. Jimmy, I, I know how you feel, but there's nothing to be afraid of. I host a talk show, too. You've probably heard of it. Wake up, San Francisco! But then in 2016, Netflix dumped upon us for four years! (laughs) Fuller House. So, I'll say this. The first season was fun, but then I was like, this doesn't need to continue. Yeah, exactly. It it was like, oh, let's do a quick ten episodes of just, like, goofy shit. And, like, I feel like they they heavily emphasize, like, Kimmy's more part of the family now. Well, it was DJ, Kimmy, and Stephanie were the main characters. All the adults were recurring, not in every episode. All the No Gia, huh? She's in some of them. Oh, really? She comes back. Okay. Almost everyone you could think of comes back. Right. Gia comes back. But did the Olsons? That was the big question. No, they never did. And that's what pissed me off. They never came back. And also, the new kids, like DJ's kids, they suck. Yeah. This is the problem. Can I, t- can I tell you my problem with Fuller House? Because my wife watched all of it. I'm going to tell yeah. you what my problem is, okay? Like the kids are not as good. <laughs> the whole thing is tackier, cornier. It's too meta. It is not heartfelt. It is rushed. It is sloppy. It is borderline insulting at times. It is <laughs> only useful for me to see the adult cast when they return. That's the only time yeah. I like that. I hate this show beyond that. Well, Michelle sends her love, but she's busy in New York running her fashion empire. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> 
All right, so Full House, listen, we were talking about it in the beginning. It was never a critical darling, but the kids of our generation and even some adults like my mom, you know, your our parents' generation, they love the show, I guess, because it was just cute, right? It you was could watch it with your kids. It was a family you show. You didn't have to ever worry like they're going to do something crazy or anything. Right. It wasn't trying to be Roseanne. It wasn't trying to be married with children. Mm-hmm. It wasn't trying to be Seinfeld. It was trying to be full house. Right. It just injected some positivity and lightheartedness into a cruel world. In you know? the middle of your week. It, yeah. Like, it was just like, ah, Full House is on. Okay, let's watch. A lot of shows have done what it's done, right? Mm-hmm. But I think Full House did it very well. They did. Like, other shows were in this vein, but I think this did it really Overall, well. Overall, it's, like, one of the best, like, comfort food sitcoms probably ever. I really think it yeah. is. Like you said, it's just, it's not going to win an Emmy or anything, but it's, no. just people love it. Yeah, it wasn't the best show on TV, but it wasn't a bad show. Um, and some of the stories were well told, some of the humor was good. And I think it wasn't trying to be relatable. I think it was trying to be an escape. Yeah. Does that make sense? Like, it wasn't trying to portray and reality. All beach boys and island well, episodes. Yeah, so, exactly. Like, yeah. Folks, let us know your thoughts of it, but I would say above all, Full House truly was, Quinn. An acid wash memory. It was. Let us know what you think. Thanks for hanging in with us here. It's a sitcom episode. You knew it was going to go long, folks, but we do appreciate you being with us here. We will be back next week for something completely different. Until that time, follow us on Twitter, join our Facebook group, and please leave us a review. But until next time, I am Joe Morata. That is Michael Quinn, and we are out of here. See ya. Like what you heard? Be sure to leave a review and subscribe on your favorite podcast app. We will see you next week. Yeah.